Hello and welcome to Medium Cool, a movie podcast. I am your host, Austin Glidden, and if you want to keep up with all things Medium Cool, you can hit us up on social media at Medium Cool Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. That's facebook.com backslash Medium Cool Pod. You can search Medium Cool Pod on Instagram, we'll pop up, and at Medium Cool Pod on Twitter. You can also email us at mediumcoolpod at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe or follow us, whatever the lingo is for wherever you're listening to this. Please follow, subscribe, whatever it really does help us out. And hey, if you actually like the show, or if you don't, I guess, but if you like the show, you should definitely leave a rating or, uh, you know, give us a little review. You know, it's all, all, all this little shameless self-promotion stuff is actually very helpful. Today, we have a really interesting episode for you. I hope you enjoy it. Um, Joe texts me, and I'll tell you the story later with him, but Joe texts me and basically was like, hey, man, if we ever have like a down week, we should just you know, uh, uh, pick some of our favorite movies or whatever and just dig into them, just long-form dig in. Well, you know, we... Uh, so I was like, hey, we're going to have kind of a slow week this week because I'm going to be doing a solo review of The of the Courier, one of the uh, screeners that we got. And I was like, I'll just do a solo one, you know, like I did last week for The Affair, and then we can dig do a deep dive. What do you want to do? I'll let you choose first. And he goes, I want to do Point Break. Catherine Bigelow movie, Point Break from 1991, one of his favorite movies, on Letterboxd, gave it a 5 out of 5. I just don't understand him sometimes. Anyways, Joe, my homie, he's going to be telling us about that movie because he talks a lot more than me, if you can even believe it. Because I feel like normally I'm the guy talking. This guy's giving you a play-by-play of this movie. All right. By the end, I was like, listen, Joe, if we're going to play-by-play it, we might as well just do a watch-along because we could have watched the whole movie for the ep- for the length of the episode. So I think that's what we're going to do next time. I think we're just going to do a, a watch-along. Maybe we'll put that out on like a Thursday or something, just for fun. Put a real episode out, and then he and I will watch a movie. We'll record it. It'd be great. So anyways, I don't know why I'm talking about all that yet, because we haven't even gotten to it. That'd be a fun thing. Listen to that. Point Break, starring Keanu Reeves, Patrick Swayze, the whole the whole group. Gary Busey, it's great. Um, I mean, I'm not, it doesn't matter. You'll hear my thoughts in a moment. Anyways, before we get to that, though, uh, I had the opportunity to see The Courier. The Courier is the new Benedict Cumberbatch movie that will be released this Friday, March 19th. Um, and we got a screener early. I watched it about a month ago, but we just had every episode we kind of had filled in. Um, so I wanted to make sure that I got it in for this one. So that's going to be the next thing that we, uh, that we listen to. And I'll, I'll tell you this. Uh, the Courier, pretty good movie. I'm going to tell you a little bit about that more right now. Uh, you should definitely get it if you get a chance to see it. You know, give it a shot, see what you think, and uh, definitely let us know on social media again. Medium Coupon on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or at gmail.com. So, without further ado, here is my review of The Courier. Sounds like work. No, tell them I'm in my chair. Yes, he's just walked in. This is unexpected. I can't believe I'm actually having lunch with spies. <laughs> I'm just a salesman. Exactly. You're a civilian, so the KGB won't be watching. It would be a real service to Great Britain. What do you want me to do? I'm here to open a door to the top manufacturers in the West. Will I be putting myself in danger? If this mission was the least bit dangerous, you really are the last man we'd send. Make sure you wear it while you're in Moscow. What does this do? Shoot poison darts? Everyone you meet, assume they're KGB. 
Every Russian is an eye of the state. It will just be a career. Just a career for Russian secrets. From now on, you will be selling one thing. The idea that you are an ordinary businessman and nothing more than an ordinary businessman. I am asking you to stop going to Moscow. I am asking you as your wife. I didn't want you to be involved. What if I get caught? They'd execute me, correct? We can't get him out. If things were the other way around, Mankovsky would abandon you. He would never leave me to die, and I'm not leaving him. I'm volunteering to bring back the best source of Soviet intelligence you've got at a time where Russia and America are on the brink of nuclear war. Maybe we're only two people, but this is how things change. The Courier, or its better alternate title, Ironbark, is a spy drama that takes place in the early 1960s and follows British businessman Greyville Wynn, played by Benedict Cumberbatch, as he is drawn into a world of espionage. As tensions rise between America and Russia during the Cold War, it is England that saves the day. Dominic Cook directs this historical drama and tells the true story of a very real everyman. Cumberbatch is pretty good here as Wynn, especially by the end. I felt like this is the best performance that I've seen him in, you know, in a while, and it just got better as the film went on. Um, but to be fully transparent here, I'm not a huge fan of Cumberbatch in general, just kind of a mild one. You know, he doesn't make things worse, but not particularly better, uh, as seen in something like The Imitation Game, which I thought was okay, and he's pretty good in it, though, but he doesn't, like, elevate the film for me. Anyways, I'm digressing here. The point is, I'm a mild fan. But Wynn is a simple businessman that was picked up by MI6, which is the CIA of the UK, basically, to perform a simple mission that involved going into Russia and getting secrets from a Russian informant, Oleg, played by Mirab Ninij, who is betraying his country to save the world. This is a true story about a real everyman doing something extraordinary. But more importantly, it's a picture about relationships. The film establishes a wonderful relationship that grows between Wynn and Oleg. Their families become friendly. They visit one another outside of MI6 business, etc. This is one of my favorite things about The Courier, this relationship. But also the relationship between Wynn and his wife, Sheila, played by Jesse Buckley. My number 10 on our top 10 favorite films of 2020 episode was Charlie Kaufman's I'm Thinking of Ending Things. And one of the best parts of that film is Buckley. She is absolutely thrilling to watch because she's so good and full of subtle nuance. Her performance in The Courier is no exception. Sheila is probably my favorite character in the bunch because imagine if you had a partner that was constantly traveling to a different country for work and wouldn't tell you anything of substance about the trips. One may get concerned about, you know, what the partner's actually doing. Are they seeing someone else, you know, uh, while they're gone? Are they doing something shady? I mean, there's so many places your mind could go. And all of those places where one's mind could wander, Buckley hits home. She takes us there. 
And that struggle for when, not being able to tell his, you know, partner, the person that he loves so much, not being able to tell her, you know, what he's actually doing, that is a wonderful conflict in the film as well. On paper, it works great. But enough about the performances. The film looks pretty good, too. Sean Bobbitt, who is the cinematographer for, you know, The Place Beyond the Pines, 12 Years a Slave, and recently Joe and I talked about how good Judas and the Black Messiah looked. You know, he was the cinematographer here as well, and, you know, he makes things look better than they probably should. <laughs> uh, the way he photographs the nice sets and captures the faces of our stars is, you know, really well done. And for the most part, the film's production as a whole is completely fine. My problem is actually the writing and visual storytelling. You know, that is pretty lackluster. For as much as I talked about liking here, this film really suffers from serious writing issues. Everything feels rushed. And, I mean, listeners, you've all heard me say this many times. Development, development, development. A film like this takes time, and if you don't let the film breathe and give it time to grow, it flatlines. The story of The Courier is so interesting, which is why it's such a shame. Watching the film and wondering what Wynn must have gone through in real life is just really wild, uh, you know, especially the end, which I'll get to in a moment. But because the film is rushed due to it trying to do too much and relying on cliches and tropes to get its point across... It comes off much like a second-rate Bridge of Spies or Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, rather than a modern spy classic. And it doesn't have to be a classic, that's okay. But as Joe and I talked about with Judas and the Black Messiah, the story deserves a better movie. And the direction doesn't help. Uh, the writing moves things too quickly, but it's like the visual storytelling can't keep up. You know, it seems like it's always a step behind. It's not quite giving us what we need. And for as good as the performances can be at times, they never reach their full potential due to these lacking elements. The last 20 to 30 minutes is really fascinating to me. It's the best part of the film, story-wise. You know, without spoiling anything, I'll just say Wynn is incarcerated. Uh, I'll let you watch it to find out, you know, why. But I really wish the film would have focused on one thing and did it really well, but it really wanted to tell Wynn's entire story while also focusing on the relationships, while also dealing with the politics of the time. And all of those things are important, but you can really do that in a condensed way while focusing more on one thing, again, giving it that room to breathe and giving it uh, the opportunity to really grow and be something special. And, you know, uh, it's really trying hard to do all of those things I said. And if they could have just taken the first three-fourths of the film, okay, um, and really just condensed that to the first half, I would much rather have seen this prison sequence fill the entire last half of the film. And I'll tell you why. It deserves so much more time uh, than, you know, 15 minutes or so. <laughs> um, the This point in the story is pivotal in my view, and it's, it's an absolute crime that it's rushed because, you know, while he's in prison, I, the whole time I'm thinking like, man, this is absolutely wild. What are they doing to him? Like, what's it like to live in this place? What's it like to be away from your family? What is it like, you know, to, to, uh, to be in the situation he's in? And again, I'm going to let you watch the movie. Uh, to fully understand the context there. So I can't really, I'm trying to kind of tiptoe around it, but you know, it's, 
it has some powerful moments that could just be so much more powerful had they really executed this with you know some kind of um, in some kind of way that that carried weight. Unfortunately, the pacing, writing, and visual storytelling knock all of the good points I started with down a few notches, not to mention that they kind of botched the best part of it, which is the ending. And again, it's not that it's a bad ending, it's just it doesn't really, I just didn't really feel anything during it, and I was just thinking about how much more powerful it could be, because the content is there. That needs to be there, and I would have liked to have seen more of that. But despite all of my criticisms, I still gave the film a 3 out of 5 because overall I enjoyed watching it, but it really, it, it ultimately left me wanting. You know, there's a great story here, and I want to see it uh, come to life. And, you know, Wynn's story feels so important, and it's wild that I've never heard of him <laughs> before. But unfortunately, he still deserves a better movie, and maybe one day in the future we will see that. Uh, and maybe it'll be called Ironbark, which is way cooler than The Courier. But anyways, check it out. See what you think. You know, I don't think you'll regret watching it, but, you know, keep your expectations low. I don't mind that I saw it once, but I don't feel like I have much reason to watch it again. I, I would watch it with someone, but it's not... It's not great. I'd say overall, the parts that I liked about it really kind of elevated the film uh, to about as high as it can be, and I may even be generous here. So all that to say, go check out The the Courier. It comes out this Friday, uh, March 19th. So definitely keep an eye out for where that is. So on that note, I want to move forward. Let's go see what Joe has to say about Catherine Bigelow's Point Break. All right, Joe. Today we're doing. Uh, well, let's let's start with the backstory of this little segment here. You text me. Yeah. You had uh -huh. this idea about, hey, why don't we select a few of our favorite movies? And what right. we'll do is, uh, you know, we'll select some. We'll talk about them on off weeks where we don't have much going on. It'll give us mm -hmm. something to kind of plan for. And then we, we can always talk about our favorite movies, right? And it's like, yeah, that's a great yeah. idea. That's I didn't have that exact idea, but I did have an idea of us choosing movies to watch for each other. So we kind of yeah. blended them, and this week I was like, why don't you go first, name one of your favorites, because I was also going to do bad ones too, but the favorites thing will yeah. work for a while. Eventually we'll get to the others. Yeah. So yeah. anyways, um, I go, yeah, that sounds good. I'm just going to do a solo review of The Courier anyways real quick, so why don't we do it this week? Do you have any suggestions? And before I could even like look away from my phone, you texted me immediately point break. Uh -huh. Which honestly, I would have never thought <laughs> was <laughs> just was the one. So right. um, I gave away some of my intro. So let's just get into it because we're this. I feel like this is going to go a while. We got to we got to knock sure. this out. All right. So Point Break, uh, uh -huh. you know, it's from 1991. Budget of 24 million dollars. Box office mm -hmm. of 83.5 million. So clearly a success, especially for that time for that type of movie. Uh, yep. Great, great money. So Point Break is Catherine Bigelow's fourth film, notably following Near Dark from 87 and Blue Steel from 90, and was released the same year she and James Cameron divorced in 1991. Mm -hmm. It tells the story of Los Angeles gang of bank robbers called the ex-presidents as they commit their crimes while wearing masks of Ronald Reagan, Jimmy Carter, Richard, Richard Nixon, and LBJ. And one member of the FBI, Pappas, played by Gary Busey, has the absurd belief 
that the members of the gang could be surfers. So they send young agent Johnny Utah, played by Keanu Reeves, undercover to the beach to mix with the surfers and gather information. He, of course, immediately falls for the feisty but lovable Tyler, played by uh, Lori Petty, and falls in with Bodie's crew. Bodie is played by Patrick Swayze. The film zigs and zags as Utah is torn between his professional life as an FBI agent and his new life as a carefree adrenaline junkie. You get some cool buddy cop moments with Busey and Reeves, some barely existential monologues by Patrick Swayze, some fun and fairly thrilling uh, robbery sequences, and uh, as much cheesiness as your heart desires. But personally, Joe, as I just said, I was a little perplexed by your very quick response once we decided to do this, (laughs) that one of your favorite movies that you want to discuss this week was Point Break. Uh Now, you know, uh, honestly, I I would have never anticipated this uh, to be our first pick of this segment either. Uh So my setup for you is this, Joe. Uh Do you love this movie because you sincerely think it's a great film or... Uh Do you like it as an 80s overlap, one of those movies that's just outside the 80s but kind of feels like it, uh, that it's an 80s overlap feature full of ridiculous and entertaining silliness? Or do you think it's so bad it's good? Where do you stand? The Well, the answer to that question is yes. <laughs> you know, yes to all three of those. Um, I, I, there's an article on a site called The Ringer uh, written by Manuela Lazic, Lazic um, that says Point Break, the, the headline is Point Break is the silliest classic ever made. And I think that's a really apt description of this movie. It's it's goofy. It it's it's sort of a it's sort of a post-80s, you know, you, you just referenced that action film buddy cop movie that takes that, it kind of takes the lethal weapon formula-ish and the um, in too deep undercover cop genre and mashes them together. And it is alternately silly and heartfelt and crazy action. And it just does things that to me, I'd never, you know, in all, I mean, of course, each of the individual beats you've seen so many times in movies, but the overall result was something that I had never seen. Um, in a movie, uh, especially at the time when I, you know, I saw this, of course, in the theaters for the first time um, when it was originally out. Um, let me clarify too the re- one of the reasons why I chose this. Um, so I've I've been dating a girl, <laughs> and and we and we got to talking about this as one of my favorite movies. This was also um, so um, some of our friends, some of our friends. Um, Sam Watermeyer, Nick Rogers, and Evan Dossie, you know, every year we have what we call the FYFF. That's the Fuck Yeah Film Festival. And we take turns at each other's houses. And uh, the first year was was an all-weekend affair. Um, but, you know, kind of since then, we kind of fit into what we have time for. Basically, it's just a marathon of action movies, cheesy, ranging from cheesy and ridiculous to you know, legitimately good to, you know, everything in between. This was my first pick for that because um, Sam and Evan had not seen it. And I was like, you guys got to see it. You just have to see it. You got to see it for Gary Busey. You got to see it for Patrick Swayze's Zen master. This is like, 
this is like the most Patrick Swayze movie, honestly, ever. Like as far as the real Patrick Swayze goes. Right? Oh, okay, I was gonna say I think the most real one is Roadhouse, but but <laughs> right. no, for the real person, yes, I, yeah. yeah, I get you. Yeah, because the the real Patrick Swayze is a skydiving enthusiast. Was a skydiving enthusiast. He was uh, like Zen master. You know, in his mind, he was very into like spirituality and and the, all the things that Bodhi was into. Um, but anyway, so that um, I said, you guys, we gotta watch this. We gotta watch it. So we watched it, and they loved it. And I actually made, um, which we'll we'll reference this um, in a little bit. But um, holding the first one at my house, um, I was in charge of of making, of providing food. You know, and, and so, to some degree, anyway. Um, and I and I actually volunteered for this, and I made ass end of a dead rhino meatball sandwiches for everyone. So that was like, as we, <laughs> <laughs> that was like, that was the official name of the dish. And uh, we, Gary we Busey would like two, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, "Give me two. And uh, so that's and that's uh, another line that we reference a lot to each other, you know, just as friends. So, so yeah, so so that's the long way of basically saying. Um, um, this is the reason why. Um, starting with this, the um, the the woman that I have been seeing recently, um, I could call her a girlfriend. My girlfriend currently. We're we're currently like talking about whether we want that label, and um, you know I'm I'm very much in favor of it at this point. But anyway, we talked about it, and she actually watched it with me, not with me separately. Watched it on her own, um, but with the intent of talking to me about because of the podcast. Because I told her, hey. Um, this is one of my favorite movies. And then, and then we, um, we, the more we talked about it, I was like, I want to do a podcast about it. And she's like, you know what? I want to watch it. And then we'll talk about it. And then I'll listen to the podcast about it. You know, when you do the podcast. So um, that's, that's basically the, the whole gist of it. Okay. So Uh, let me, let me interrupt you there before we move forward though, because sure. Here's the thing. I want to be very transparent about how I feel about this, depending on how my comments go. Sure. Um, I, I just want to be clear. I actually like this movie more than I dislike it. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. But only as it pertains to it just being a ridiculous, fun movie, Absolutely. very much of its era. Now, I was only six when this came out. So uh-huh. I didn't see it when it came out, but I saw it before I was 10. So I probably met, we probably rented it at some point, or I saw it on TV probably. Oh, like yeah. Something oh, like yeah. that. It was on TV all the time, I know. But uh, when I, I was probably. Maybe I was 10. I don't know. But I remember my parents were still together. So I was young. And uh, yeah, I saw it. And I just thought, I thought it was so badass yeah, that uh-huh. they wear president's masks when they rob banks. I just thought that was the most clever thing ever. And just what a brilliant moment for me as a kid. And uh, I, you know, just I rewatched it, of course, for this because I rewatch everything that we do. And uh, yeah, you know, I, I'm I'm gonna throw a few of these at you, okay? And then I oh. want you to just, however you want to start, Joe, sure, however sure. you want to like dig in. I'm gonna mm-hmm. give you these, and then if you're not ready to dig into these statements, we'll uh-huh. we'll hit them as we go. All right. My okay, goal is sure. to try not to make this like two hours long, because <laughs> because knowing us, our, if, be we're, if we're talking about our favorites, you know, like that's. Yeah. You know, it's it's hard for us to shut up. I get it. I think Keanu Reeves is really terrible in this. Yes. Um, I think the writing is mostly garbage. However, however, mm-hmm. they do at least 
try to develop the characters. They really do. Like, yeah. I, I was thinking about this, uh, I, as I told you, um, I just got home from dropping my daughter off. And, and during that whole drive, because I dropped her off in Indy, so I had like an hour drive. And so I was just mm. sitting there, and I was just like thinking about the movie. And, and I do have to give it a, a bit more credit, thinking of the film history aspect and what was coming out at the time. Of course, there are better movies that came out at the time, but that's not the sure. point. There were a lot of bad movies that are mm-hmm. a lot worse than this. Oh, yeah. And um, so, you know, I was thinking like, you know, even though I think most of the writing I think is bad is either something's rushed or the dialogue is really terrible, but it doesn't help that Keanu Reeves says a lot of the dialogue and it sounds so terrible. Right. Um, So that's part of it. And then like the production's adequate. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Um, But, but what's funny though, is I'm, I'm being like movie guy talking about that. Me just watching it. Like, I actually have a good time watching it, even though most of that time is filled with me kind of rolling my eyes and laughing. At parts, right. I question whether they're supposed to be laughed at. I, can't, I don't think they're tongue-in-cheek, because they don't feel that way to me. But either way, <laughs> like, I enjoyed that, though, right? So if I were with you guys watching during this, like, film festival thing you're talking about, like, uh-huh. I would have had a good time. And I was telling my buddy I was on the phone with when I was driving home. And I was like, dude, if you came over and was like, dude, let's get some good food and watch Point Break. I wouldn't have a problem with it. Like I would totally yeah. watch it. Mm-hmm. But what? And I'm. This is how I'm kind of setting you up to go off. And if you can't get there yet, then let's sure. get it in context. All right. We'll we'll all we'll right. put a pin in it. Yeah. But I I usually don't do this with you, Joe. But I got on Letterbox and I checked your Letterbox for this because I just uh-huh. didn't know where we were coming in here. I knew you yeah. liked it. Uh huh. And I'm just going to out you. You gave this a five out of five. Now, yeah. I need you to understand something. And you and I have different uh-huh. criteria for a rating system. I get it. And, right. and, and that's fine. But I, I do actually, especially this time around, when I started doing this with you and really trying to think about film again, I completely like rearranged my criteria for what films are. For a long time, my ratings were, were like a grading scale. You know what uh-huh. I mean? Like, like a five out of right. five is an A plus, a four out of five is a B, B minus. Well, you know what I mean? Like, which is not yeah. really great for that sort of scale, but I was never like being a proper critic anyway, so I didn't give a shit. Right. But like right now, like I actually have taken my criteria very seriously. If I give something mm-hmm. a five out of five, that movie fucking rules. Like just because right. I like it, if I can't appreciate it for more than just me being interested in it, uh-huh. it will never get a five out of five, no matter how much I love that movie. And that's yeah. just mine. I'm giving you context here. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. So when I see you give this a five out of five, and uh-huh. currently I it has a two and a half out of five for me. It deserves a three from me based on my criteria because it is fun. I agree, and I have a good time watching it. And there are things I really like about, like I actually really love Lori Petty and and Patrick Swayze in this. Actually, uh, yeah. even it's not that they're like great. It's just I just like them. I don't know. I like right. when they're on the screen. I have a good time with them when they're on the screen. Patrick Swayze's ridiculous. Um and then you have great scenes again. Jump in the gun, we'll get there, but there are great scenes like I'll just I'll speak vaguely so we can get there. Uh sure. like the uh the uh skydiving sequence with mm-hmm. no parachute if you get my drift, if you haven't seen yes. it. We're going to probably uh, spoil some of this shit anyway. Yeah, oh yeah, it's going to be spoiled. The, the point yeah. is though, uh I'm just setting it up now. That's I no matter how stupid and ridiculous that scene is, I think it's great. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, so it's like there's a MythBusters thing about that scene actually too, 
Um, we can we can maybe reference it later. Sure. Maybe probably not. But so <laughs> I, I told you before we started, I don't even have like a ton of notes on this because I knew you'd talk, and I'm just going to kind of riff on you here, uh-huh. and that's pretty much everything I have. But like. I only name a lot of these kind of like quote unquote negative things that I have because I, I just can't wrap my brain around the perfect score. And I, yeah. I, I kept justifying it in my head. Like this is just nostalgia. Uh-huh. Like he clearly saw this in theaters, which he confirmed. And yeah. I was like, of course he still likes it, but some of this has to be nostalgia for having never seen these things put together at the time, even uh-huh. though, you know, we have seen similar things, maybe not the exact same thing since, uh-huh. Like what? Can you talk a little bit about, like, yes. why? And then let's just dig in, please. Yes, I I almost I almost want to get my open up my letterbox um, and tell you some other movies that I've given five out of five. Now I'm not going to because it will take too long for me to to dig through all of them. Yeah. Oh, um, I've looked I, before. Yeah, letterboxed. Um, well, you know. Well, let me say this: the rating system. I have a unique. At least I like to think it's a unique relationship with it. Um, in that a five-star movie can be, you know, something that is a searing drama, a, you know, that's, you know, something that's an, an Oscar caliber kind of movie, a, a real like big time art film type thing that is very, is the important movies, you know, yeah. Uh, you know, it can be like you it can be spotlight, that. right? And that was like yes. a big movie. Spotlight at the time. is absolutely one of my favorite movies. Yes, and yeah. it falls in that category as as something that's an important movie that a lot of people, even you know, maybe people who love stuff like Point Break, would would think Spotlight is too slow in plotting, right? And they would be, ah, oh, you know, there's no action in it, you know, though, you know, those type. So I I kind of. This is my way of, of skirting that line between those people and being an important critic, so to speak. Like I can give, I think one of the other movies I gave five stars to is a horror film called Macabre in which a woman sleeps with the severed head of her lover. And when yeah. I say sleeps with, I mean, I don't mean like she falls asleep and I mean, she sleeps with it. She fucks it. So, I get what you're saying. I, I get what you're yeah. putting out there. Yeah. So if, if you if you you dig my vibe there. So it's <laughs> it's it can be it can be a couple of things. It can be it's a great, really well made, perfectly made movie, well scripted, well directed, well acted. It can be one of those kind of movies, or it can be Or it's or it's Lady that, Terminator or Samurai Cop or Deadbeat at Dawn. I'm looking at it yes. right now. So uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or it can be one of those that are so ridiculous and so out there and just so either purely entertaining or ridiculous in the way that it was made that I just, that if it gave me the feeling, if it gave me the le- a proper level of happiness in watching it, I can then say, this is a five-star movie for me. Sure. It doesn't mean objectively it's a great movie. This, this objectively makes- point break, as you said, is not a great movie by any stretch of the imagination. Um, it does some things very well, but you know, if you're watching this and you're going, this is one of the greatest movies of all, it's like, it's not. Yeah. It, you know, it, it is very much so bad. It's good, but so bad. It's good. is so fun for me sometimes that I'll be like, you know what? Screw it. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. Like sausage party anyways. So, (laughs) um, no, but the thing is, 
uh, I, I want it to be clear, too, because I feel like, again, as I feel like a lot of times in life, The Wet Blanket, I mm-hmm. love watching Ben. Like like I said, yeah. I like this movie. I might not rate it high, but I, I, dude, I have a good time watching it. I love, I was just telling my buddy, I was like, I want to rewatch uh, Lethal Weapon because those types of yeah. movies are what this reminds me of. Now, they're not the same, but kind of in the ballpark of like genre and era, maybe, where it's like you could kind of watch all of these together and they're, they'd they oh, yeah. be their own thing, but there's kind of a through line with what these are doing, basically. Yeah. Uh, and it made me want to rewatch Lethal Weapon because as a kid, I loved one and two because those mm-hmm. are the ones that kind of tie together. Yeah. But like they're also the ones that feel the closest. And then, of course, once you get to three and then especially four, they get like way more ridiculous because they're like years yes. later. But the first two I always loved and I just haven't watched them in probably 20 years. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I but just anyways. I just rewatched I just rewatched four about oh, two weeks maybe a week two weeks ago, um, yeah yeah and yeah they're very much those it's, those last two are much more in that camp yeah the the first yeah. two yeah are very good, um, and yeah the 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 fourth one is the third one I I have watched a couple of times but I'm not yeah. as big a fan of it as the fourth one but yeah the fourth one is it falls into that it's, the, the it's just goofy. The yeah. third one is the Ghostbusters 2 of the Lethal Weapon series, where we talk <laughs> about why can't we all just get along, gangsters? Right. Um, but anyways, yeah, it's it's pretty yeah. ridiculous, and you have the armor-piercing bullets and all that stuff. Um, yeah. But I, I, I remember little details like that, but I honestly don't remember any of the Lethal Weapon movies to an extent to have an opinion. I just remember yeah. how I felt watching them, you know? Anyways, sure. that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about Point Break. Yeah. My point in bringing all that up is um, I love watching these, too. We could have a great time with these. I was just like... Very surprised. This was one of your favorite movies. Not that, yeah. like, not in a judgmental way. Just I honestly sure. never would have ever thought <laughs> that this was going to be a thing. But I'm also yeah. not surprised. So why don't you start? Where are we starting, Joe? Sure. Get us yeah, get us started yeah. so we can get moving. Yeah, let's let's just launch it. Yeah. Um. I I took. So I you know when we watch this, I took. I think I have like 14 pages of notes, handwritten notes. Um, I went scene by scene. I don't, I don't know that I want to just, you know, sit, I'm not going to sit and break down every scene, but I want to definitely hit the highlights. Um, so, you know, again, we, you know, we, you, you over give the overview. Um, Johnny Utah is played by, by Keanu Reeves. He's an ex Ohio state Buckeyes quarterback, Rose bowl winning quarterback who suffered an injury. Um, as he says, had his knee folded back 90 degrees the wrong way during a game. And, um, had to give up his football career and became an FBI agent. Um, he, as we meet him, he's getting his first assignment. He's, he's meeting his first bot. Well, I mean, technically he's practicing in the, in the opening credits, but when, when he's first talking, he, he meets his new boss played by uh, John C. McGinley. Uh, his name's harp in this uh, John C. McGinley, of course, of scrubs fame. He's essentially Dr. Cox in this movie. Um, he's essentially like a slightly meaner Dr. Cox, an R-rated yeah. Dr. Cox. R-rated Dr. Cox, complete asshole, yeah. doesn't believe in them, thinks they're fucking off. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And he and he tells them, um, uh, you know, he he's got he's quotable throughout this movie. He's got two in the first like five minutes of the movie. You may even say it's just one long one. Uh, but he <laughs> he actually says to him as they're as they're walking, he literally is like, Hey Utah, nice to meet you. Hey, by the way, you're an idiot. That's basically like what he says. His his one of his opening lines to him is, "You may very well have been in the top two percent of your class at Quantico, 
but out here you have exactly zero hours of experience in the field. You know nothing. In fact, you know less than nothing. If you even knew that you knew nothing, that would be something, but you don't. And so this is like his introduction to him. Um, and then there's a, he has something about, um, I don't know why you came here. And then he says, well, I guess we must just have an asshole shortage or something. Mm-hmm. To which Keanu Reeves replies, well, not so far. <laughs> and he eats a donut begrudgingly at at his new boss, yes. which is pretty good. Yes. I, I did love that where he's he's talking about, um, Harp talks to him about, well, hey, all of my agents have to be in great shape. And then, and then Utah says back, hey, I take the skin off of my chicken. And then they immediately like turn the corner and he grabs a donut out of this box. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I love these things. Yeah. And, um, and then uh, again, Harp calls, tells him he's young, dumb and full of cum. And, you know, it's like, and there's no reason for any of this, you know, like, like the, there's no reason for the existence of this could be a, this could be a scene that doesn't even exist in the movie other than being like, Hey, how's it going? Here's your new job. But instead we have this kind of extended sequence with insults all over the place. And, you know, Utah's taking a bunch of grief and then it turns to now you're going to go meet your, your new partner. Yeah. It's like, it reminds me of JK Simmons and Spider-Man playing J Jonah Jameson. Yes. But like uh-huh. someone taking that seriously, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he just like yells and is like very intense about everything. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, the first yeah. thing that came to mind was like, this is like a real triple J, you know? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And he, um, yeah. So, um, yeah. So he, he, he tells him, go meet your new partner, Angelo Pappas. This is Gary Busey. And then we meet him at a swimming pool with, so they're doing exercises with the, the FBI agents are retrieving bricks off the bottom of a swimming pool while blindfolded. So they throw, they toss the bricks in the water, blindfold them, say, jump in and, and bring me back two bricks from the floor of the, of the pool. Um, Gary Busey knows he's got this partner. Um, now this, now let me say this. Gary Busey owns this movie. He absolutely owns this movie. He's in it very little, but he steals every single scene that he's in. And he, he doesn't steal them. He takes them at the beginning and makes them his for the rest of the, you know, the rest of the time he's on screen. I mean, it's, Uh, it's funny because with the writing being as bad as I claim it is, uh he somehow makes it tolerable. Yes. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. Yes, absolutely. I attest that to him. I, 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 that's a testament to his performance. I think I'll I'll give you that. Oh yeah. So he, so he's blindfolded and Utah walks up to him and he says, um, uh, I don't know if I wrote it down, but he says, he says something like, you know, I have, he goes, oh, I got this new partner. He's a, and I think he repeats some of what Harp says. He calls him a blue flame special or something. He goes, real quarterback punk. And, uh, and then, you know, so like I said, he's blindfolded, Utah standing right there. And then, uh, and then the, 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 whoever the supervisor is there is like, oh, hey, by the way, Pappas, your partner's here. And he takes his blindfold off. He's like, oh, you know, Angelo Pappas and shakes his hand. And Keanu Reeves says, punk, quarterback punk. You know, as he's shaking his hand. So now, listeners, yeah. do me a favor. Now, th- think about all the things Joe said to you. Are you also surprised? Hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Medium Cool Pod. <laughs> <laughs> this is just—it's like I can't stress enough how much fun I have watching this movie. I know. But breaking it down like this—it's <laughs> almost worse. 
I know. I know. It's so it's just so bad. It's but it's but it's great. It, you know, it establishes the relationship, you know, and they there's with I mean, within, you know, I don't know, two or three minutes of screen time, they're gonna be screaming at each other and and Utah is baiting him into taking this case, right? So so essentially, you know, there's there's these bank robbers, uh, you know, like you said, the ex-presidents and They've robbed, oh, I don't have it written down. They robbed X number of banks, 20 banks or something, 27 banks in, you know, all around the area. They only work in the summer. And the this is Pappas has been working on this for some time. And it's he's a joke because he's considered kind of a burnout. He has a he has a theory on it, and and Utah can't get him to to you know give up what the theory is. And uh he that you know they're they're out at a scene like they found the the drop car you know the the getaway car and it's been you know abandoned and so they're like exi- you know they're they're going you know they're going through it and and uh he's like come on come on tell me the the theory and he's like no i'm not telling you anything forget it you know these guys and he says these guys are ghosts which you know will come back later on and uh he ends up uh baiting him uh, utah baits pappas by calling him a burnout and why don't you know? Why don't you just go take your early retirement? To which, again, here is again my 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 next favorite quote: "Listen up, you snot-nosed little shit! I was taking shrapnel and case on while you were crapping in your hands and rubbing it on your face." This <laughs> <laughs> is something that Gary Busey says in this movie. <laughs> but he says it so great. I mean, so now in you know the twenty. 20- uh, the aughts and the 2010s, Gary Busey was seen as this sometimes reality TV guy who's just completely legitimately crazy. Yeah. At this time, he was just like an actor who did often played kind of the unhinged guy. I mean, in Lethal yeah. Weapon, he's he's in that, right? He's the guy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He's Mr. Joshua, so he, yeah. yeah, he's not. He's not. He's a like psychopath, but he's like a pretty more reserved, if I remember correctly. Yes. But like he very he can play the unhinged guy really well, yeah. and so th- I have to give it to this movie just to kind of back you up on this here. Yeah. Yeah. Busey is actually really good at the role mm-hmm. that he does here. I mean, this is kind of a I'm sure he did it before. I haven't seen every every Gary Busey movie, but I mean, I feel yeah, like I this do. is probably if it's not the first one where he does yeah. this, and I'm sure it's not. Yeah, um, not. This is probably a career defining like all this new generation of people seeing this movie you're about yes. to get a f- face full of of Gary Busey being the most Gary Busey but he can yes. drop lines like that and it's great because just to jump yeah. your gun here of course uh-huh. Reeves is baiting him and says uh-huh. are you mad now and Gary Busey's like yeah I'm mad like he's just like screaming yeah. and Reeves is like are you mad and Gary's like yeah and of course you know he goes, yeah, well, then, let's go get these guys. Yeah, let's go get these guys. And then, of course, Gary Busey and him are like friends. And so, yeah, yeah. like they're screaming three minutes after they meet each other, they're screaming at each other. And then like three minutes after, which I'm sure you're going into now, they're like mm-hmm. best buds because he listens to his theory. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah. And his theory is that the ex-presidents are surfers. And, you know, again, this got him laughed at in the office by his by his boss and by his peers but he but he has a relatively compelling argument you know they you know the among the the things that you know that the, among the the well, well there's a sorry there is a um at one of the scene one of the banks one of the 
ex-presidents scuffed his shoe on the countertop. And so it left a mark. And when they analyzed that, they found traces of like, you know, and they go through like arsenic and, you know, they, you know, there's like all these little chemicals that they found. And then they found um, carnuba wax is what he called it. And, and then he pulls out a can of sex wax, which is sex wax for, you know, people who know the surfing culture is something that you put on your surfboard and it gives you traction or whatever makes gets you the ability to jump up and, and remain on your surfboard and not fall down. And um, so, you know, there's a joke about the sex wax, you know, the brand name. And so he's like, this is that, you know, this is essentially what was on his shoe along with art, which arsenic and all these other, um, you know, talk more toxic chemicals you find you find in the beaches of the area, which is which is kind of a subtle dig at you know pollution, um, it, you know and they they make a they make a comment about that, but um, yeah, so so that's essentially his theory, and um, then they decide, well, hey, why don't I go get a surfboard and we'll go to the beaches and we'll see what we can find out, and uh, they they end up deciding it's not enough that he just grab a surfboard and go question people you got to get in there and get yourself in with these people. So he's basically, you know, Pappas is, is getting him to go in undercover to, to get in with these guys. And so he's basically, you got to learn to surf. And he's like, how hard can it be to learn to surf? You know, he's like, you were, you were a college, you know, you were a jock punk, you know, quarterback. You can, you can surely learn how to surf. It's all balance. Right. Well, you know, and, and then, you know, so he go, goes out and, Keanu Reeves just about gets himself killed. Johnny Utah just about gets himself killed. The first time he uh, he falls, hits he you know he falls right off the board underwater. A wave hits him, and now he's way underwater, and he gets pulled out by Tyler, as you said, played by Lori Petty, uh, a tiny little woman compared to you know the tall Keanu Reeves, who you know she nonetheless saves his life, and he of course wants her to you know teach him to surf, and she's like. They, she has this total like dismissive attitude. He's a to her, he's a yuppie uh, idiot who is just coming out here and baiting her turf, and he's gonna it, it, at most annoy everybody and at worst get himself killed. And so, um, but of course, he is, you know, he's determined and he's going and he's gonna learn how to surf. And he even tells her, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, do this or I'm gonna die trying." And uh, and kind of tries to get her to help. She refuses. So they go back to the office, pull up her history to find out her parents had been killed in a car accident. And, you know, she has a, a very small, like, like a little, you know, uh, criminal record and decent exposure, I think. She says she's got tickets and stuff like that. Nothing big, but, you know, a little bit of trouble. She's, she's not quite a hellraiser, but, you know, she's got her little past. So um, he invents a story that his parents, he lived his whole life for his parents. He went to football and went to college on a football scholarship. He played football because they wanted him to. And then after they died, he went to law school, or not after they died, after he, um, after he couldn't play football, then he went to law school because they wanted him to. And then they died in a car accident. And he, just, and he realized that he'd been living for them. Of course, this is all bullshit, right? Like he's made, he's made this story up to get in with her, which is... To me, the first, if, if we want to do a deeper reading of this movie, is the first kind of bit of um, toxic masculinity that kind of comes into play. Because toxic masculinity is kind of a recurring theme through this movie. 
um, although they didn't call it that back then. But, um, you know, he's, he's very clearly lying to her to get in, uh, to get this in, to get her to help him. And, of course, it's in, this, in the name of his job, but he's legitimately playing with her emotions. And so, of course, she feels sorry for him. And she's like, well, you know, oh, my parents died, too. I guess I got to help you. So she does that. And, of course, before too long, they're, you know, they're kind of an item. So, um, so as she's teaching him, uh, again, everyone around him thinks he's a total yuppie. Um, he doesn't look like the surfer, you know, the, the stereotypical surfer, the prototypical surfer. So there are scenes early on, you know, to that effect where, you know, she's on the beach with him, just teaching him to pop up on the board and people are walking by and looking and, and giggling at him. And, you know, there's a little pointing going on. Um, and then they see Bodhi out in the surf and he is, he is, a modern savage. I think that's what, um, I think Tyler calls him that a modern savage. I have that written down <laughs> and he's, he is, um, you know, he's the Zen master godlike surfer. He's out of there. And like, when he's, when you see him surfing, it's always in slow motion. Right. And, and you can see like every drop of water curling around him on the, on the swells, you know, and you know, the, the water is, the water is kind of spraying off of his hair or dripping off of his hair as he's going. And of course his hair is, is a little bit longer. It's almost, you know, shoulder length, bleach blonde. Um, again, this is Patrick Swayze, you know, so it, it, at the height of his. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. I was so, just about to say that it's really important to understand top billing goes yeah. to Patrick Swayze. Yeah. Uh, Keanu Reeves, who was bad in most things at this time. Uh, I actually am a huge fan of River's Edge. I actually like that's yeah. Dennis Hopper in it, too. It's great. Yeah. Uh, and then a few years later, I believe he does uh, My Own Private Idaho, which is great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, he kind of was known for being or at least later in retrospect was known for kind of just being terrible um, yeah. at this point. Uh, but he was still one of like the bigger on he's higher up on the bill. Uh, yeah, Patrick. Done, I was going to say he had just done Bill and Ted's Ex Excellent Adventure yeah. when when this movie was coming out. So that that was like his. He uh, I think Parenthood came out just before this, which he had a, kind of a, a, a supporting role in. So yeah, he was he was an up and comer, but wasn't quite. You know, he's definitely this is definitely pre Matrix. You know, oh. when he, you know the Matrix made him yeah, yeah made him a huge star, but here For he sure. was. And yeah, he was maybe like, hey, I kind of know that guy from somewhere, you know. He, yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. So Patrick Swayze, huge. Uh, Gary Busey, obviously. I don't even know how big Gary Busey ever got, actually, to be honest. I, I, I'm realizing now as we're talking about it, I know very little about Gary Busey other than like what most people know. Um, right. But, I mean, he'd been in a lot of popular stuff. It's another face you would definitely know and probably like. And Laurie Petty wasn't really in a whole lot uh, mm -hmm. prior to this. I mean, this clearly, of course, you know, she'd go on to do A League of Her Own and Free Willy and Tank Girl. Uh, yeah. and movies like that, that would kind of put her more on the map. But, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. So, I mean, just to make your point, uh, Patrick Swayze is the dude. I mean, that's, that's the right. guy that people probably went to see this movie for, um, yeah. in large part. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, so they meet, uh, they finally meet, you find out that Tyler and Bodie have, you know, had been a couple at one time and they have a, they have kind of a. Uh, they have a good relationship, but they're not currently dating. And and Bodhi is very much the kind of guy who, you know, would. Who and he actually tells Johnny at different points, "Hey, watch out for her. She's a wild one." You know, 
you know, so there, there's like this, hey, we're not together. You know, there's no jealousy here, man. You go do what you want to do. You know, if, if, if this is if this is what you guys want to do, you go for it. Um, he does. Um, he does also get a little shot in Bodie does on Johnny's surfboard. And he, he actually says, hey, that's a surfboard. All right. Reminds me of, of a 57 Chevy I used to have, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and, it's just, and it's just goofy. It's like the whole thing. It's like I mean, the surfboard's like hot pink and it has flames on it or something. And of course it's goofy, but like in my head, you know, as a someone, I mean, I, I lived in Hawaii for a few years. So like I, but I've never been surfing. I've never even really been around that culture closely, but you know, from my time in Hawaii, I, I knew that, you know, I I've had, you know, had, and especially right around this time too, actually, I actually think I lived there in 91. So um, there were, I had a little familiarity with it, but at the same time, I'm like, I mean, what is a cool surfboard versus an uncool, unhip surfboard? You know, and it's like, to me, they all have flames on them. They're all like gaudy looking and, you know. But Joe, but, this um, is this is why you are not a surfer, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, this is the inside baseball. <laughs> this is like the musician watching a movie with a guy that has a shitty guitar but they're right. like making it look cool. And it's like that guitar sucks. You could buy that for like 150 bucks at any shop, like <laughs> get X guitar, you know, like whatever, um, yeah. or, or, uh, drum sets or, I mean, anything, you know, it, it could even, it's like, um, huh? it could even be a painter. And it's like the type of paints people use. It's like that. There's yeah. like little things that you don't know. And in this case, it just so happens to be surfboards. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, um, so yeah, so so that scene ends, and you know we we get back. You know we have another quick scene with with Harp. You know dressing down Utah and Pappas. Um, again, this is the sole reason why John C. McGinley is in this film is just to yell at them, and to say clever and hilarious swear words at them. Um, then we we cut right back to Latigo Beach, where you know now now that you know Johnny is is surfing on his own. He's still very much an amateur at it. And he he gets on a uh, he he basically breaks surfer protocol by hitting somebody else's wave, and the guy yells at him, and and they, he ends up uh, Johnny ends up accidentally like knocking the guy off his board, and then the dude pulls a knife on him, like punches him in the face, pulls a knife on him, and cuts his cuts his uh, cord. Uh, you know the the you know you have a, a cord that wraps around your ankle so that if you fall off your board you don't it doesn't you know. Go out into the ocean, right? Yeah. yeah. So a little tether. So he cuts that, pushes it, and and as he he tells him go back to the valley, man. And uh, you know, so you know, Utah, you know, gathers up his pride in his his board and comes out and is like, you know, he gets on the walkie-talkie. He's like, I just got my lights punched out, and uh, goes and takes a shower to call it a day. When the dude comes back, and uh, now real he, quick, know, the, real quick, I want to I want to tie in something here. Gary yeah, Busey's yeah. there. The whole idea is this is undercover work. Gary Busey's parked in a car across the street from the beach yes. with his like binoculars. Uh-huh. So whenever when Keanu Reeves goes to the showers, Gary, he goes uh-huh. out of sight of Gary Busey's in like the bushes. Yes. Right. right. Continue. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, so yeah, so he's behind a bush or something. Yeah, I can't see him. And um and and the guy comes up and he's got some buddies, including a very recognizable buddy. Played by <laughs> Anthony Cadis, weirdly, almost randomly, Red Hot Chili Peppers frontman Anthony Cadis. 
is one of these guys. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's so weird. He's got like, he's got like the, the hairstyle at the time, like a mohawk. It's like a mohawk braid thing. And uh, essentially, they they say they have this great line where you know uh, you know Johnny turns to him. And he's like, well, he's like, well, let me guess. This is the part where you tell me that locals rule and yuppie insects like me should stay off the break. And uh, and the guy goes, nope. And then and then it goes to Anthony Kiedis. And he very he like has this like big gesture like like he does you know like he did at the time, and he's like that would be a waste of time, and then the you know then the third guy goes we're just gonna fuck you up, and so this starts a fight, the guys very quickly get the better of him, and then swooping in like like Superman is Bodie who pulls you know pulls the you know the guys off of him. And he utters one of his famous lines. He's like, he's like, guys, he's with me. Chill out. And you know, and they all know Bodie. And and then uh, the one guy is is choking him or something. And and then uh, Bodie says, "Back off, War Child." Seriously. And so <laughs> <laughs> they stop, and it's it's very briefly, it's very briefly diffused. And uh, Vincent you know, Johnny Klein. Up, his name's War Child. His name's War Child, yeah. Which which they go into. His name is Lupton Pittman the Third, or something is his real name. But War Child was what he goes by on the beach, right? And by the way, Keanu Reeves, Johnny Utah here kicks their yeah. ass for a minute. By the way, yeah, oh like, yeah. He, he doesn't yeah. just get beat up by these three guys. Like he kicks yeah. some fucking ass. I think it's four of yeah. them total, actually. But yeah, anyways, he kicks their ass, huh? and then yeah. like eventually they start to choke him, and he ha- you know his hands trapped because right. he like gets between them. It doesn't matter, anyways. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, just to throw it in there, you know, he kicks some ass. He just he doesn't. Yeah, get, yeah. Well, you know. well, well, and then you know, after you know, he gets up and then he goes up to the guy. So the guy who he knocked off the board is was Bunker, is his name Bunker Weiss, which is a cool like thug name, right? That's like a that's a great like movie bad guy name. And uh, you know, he goes, "Oh, I'm I'm actually glad you found me." And he's like, "Oh yeah, why?" And then Johnny just decks him, and they start the fight back up. And that because, you know, because now Patrick Swayze's here and they got to fight. And so, like, Patrick Swayze's doing karate stuff to him. Like, you know, they they kick the crap out of him. And I actually saw a bit of trivia um, about Anthony Cadis uh, in this scene that they did a rehearsal for the choreography for this fight. And Anthony Cadis was the only one of, of this group of people who didn't show up to the um, to that choreography. So because of that, his character gets taken out in one punch and then you don't really see much of him again after that. And, and so that was, that was just a little bit of trivia that I thought was kind of funny. Um, but yeah, so he, you know, they, they do that. And you know, there, there's a, the Patrick Swayze's last line, they leave him laying, they leave the four guys laying and uh, they walk off and, and Bodie says, this has been stimulating guys, but we're out of here. So, so now they fought together. They're good buddies. right? Yeah. Now, meanwhile, what yeah. we're forgetting or maybe I'm jumping the gun again. Gary Busey's uh, trying to contact him the whole time this is going on. Busey's yeah. Pappas, I should say, is trying uh, to get a hold of Utah. He's talking to him on the radio. He's uh, talking about, hey, you better not be like, you know, making moves on some lady or whatever. Yeah. And eventually he just gets out of the car because he's like, he sees uh-huh. Keanu Reeves kick someone into sight or something. I don't remember why. Right. Anyways, he like crosses the street. So by the time he gets to where they are, He's about to blow Utah's cover because he's with Bodie. Right. So then what's he say, Joe? 
yeah, he he walks up to me and goes, You see a you see a guy come through here with a car stereo? And you know, and so that you know, Johnny plays it off. Oh, he's like, No, but there's some guys back back there you might talk to. So this is like this is a code for him saying, Hey, we got some potentials back there. And of course, from there they stake those four guys out. Yeah. And and he finds out from Bodie they're they're what Bodie calls a Nazi death squad. <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was awesome. Yeah, and, which is awesome yeah. and terrifying. Yeah. And, um, and so they're yeah, so he he goes on with them and and he's like, you know, oh they're just they're into trouble, you know. And you know, Johnny's getting a little information from him and they end up staking these guys out. You know, they they find their house and um and stake these guys out and they're like these might be the ex-presidents. Um so they, you know, they, they spend a couple of days. There's, they, they get there's Now there's this kind of a, a small subplot with um, this rivalry between Pappas and Utah and these two, um, I got to find their names. Um, these two other um, agents. And I think one was um, now I'll find it. I've got it in my notes here somewhere. Um, and you're but 13 two other... pages of notes. This yes, guy has. Yes. Yeah. So I don't want to like sit here and just page through until I find it. Um, but these other two agents who who basically give them a bunch of grief every time they they're they're the people leading the charge against Pappas is, you know, hey, you're hey, you're such an idiot, you know. Um, this is let's go investigate your ridiculous surfer, you know, theory. So they have to come take the night shift. Uh Pappas throws a, a pizza at him. He's like, Hey, here's some here's some pizza, guys. It's cold pizza's good for breakfast. And, uh, you know, throws it at him and they're like, yeah, fuck you, man. You know, cause they're all upset with him cause they have to do the night shift. Um, they end up setting up a raid on these guys. They, um, you know, these guys have a long criminal history. So they have this whole, they set up this whole raid. Um, and of course this juxtaposes in between Johnny hanging out with Bodie and his friends. He goes to a party, um, the night before, and ends up hooking up with Tyler. And I'm, and I'm, um, I don't want to, this is kind of a pivotal scene. I feel like I'm, I'm rushing through it, but he, um, there, there's a great football scene where the, the surfer guys, Bodie and everyone else, they don't know Utah's past as a football player. And so they go and there's a beach football game going, of course, Utah gets in there and it gets really competitive. And then there's, uh, it gets cold. It's culminated by the scene where, and now including Tyler, who is making tackles, making like Tyler as she can't be, I think she's five foot one or like she's tiny. I think, um, and actually um, Pappas at one point says she's like five one and 97 pounds, but she's out there tackling these guys on the beach and, you know, and, and playing football and, and hanging with these, you know, these muscular guys. Anyway, there's a, um, there's a scene where, um, a sequence where Bodie gets a pass, a long pass, and Johnny is chasing him down. And they end up, number one, they're running way more than 100 yards <laughs> on this scene, if you watch it. But uh, Johnny finally catches up to him, tackles him into the water, and all of, all of Bodie's buddies come up, and they're ready for a fight, and they're like, what the hell, what the fuck is wrong with you? Isn't that out of line? And, and Bodie comes up and is like, no, don't you know who this is? This is Johnny Utah from the Ohio State Buckeyes. Like all of a sudden now he knows who he is. And everybody's like, whoa, really? And so now he's like fully in. So his cover story is that he's a lawyer, not that he's an FBI agent. 
so this is what he tells them is that he's you know he was a, a you know he he got injured which is obviously is is true uh, is a true part of his backstory but instead of becoming an agent well no i just became a lawyer um and so now he's their pet project and now we you know now hey we're going to teach him how to surf and he's going to become one of us and and all of this stuff in the meantime they end up doing a night surf where um uh keanu reeves gets to say the words i'm gonna fucking die now <laughs> because he's out he's out in the and there's some some nice like day for night shots on this where you know they they're they're shooting for the in the daytime but they use the the, the blue filter so it looks like it's night um and so you know there's a surfing scene he hooks up with tyler and now he's got to go to this raid which he's now late for because you know he's been you know banging on the beach all night with his with his girl and and they passed out and uh he gets there and there's one of my i mean for the action sequence itself is not all that important to the movie and it's it's way too long for the you know for like what it should be in the movie yeah but it's a terrific sequence it's pretty um, wild actually yeah, yeah especially yeah, the it, naked woman with the knife that yes. like startled me actually um, yeah, yeah. because you know anthony cadis gets shot in the foot which is real the face he makes when he gets he, shot he shoots himself in the foot too. Yeah, yeah yeah i thought i was gonna laugh uh-huh like my entire insides out i thought that was very <laughs> funny yeah. um, i don't think it was supposed to be quite as funny as i thought but his face yeah. and stuff is very funny but oh, the, yeah. the naked woman stabbing the cop was like yes. actually quite disturbing to me because um, I didn't see it coming. Like I see right. all these like other maniacs just like ready for World War Three in this house. Yeah. And then there's just this poor woman taking a shower and she ends up being wild. Yeah. Yeah. She's a yeah. She's a yeah. So so the story is, you know, Utah's still undercover. So he's just doing backup. The the other two agents are off to the side and. And then Busey uh, or Pappas is out front. He goes and knocks on the door with the story. Hey, I lost my dog. And, and of course the woman who answers the door is wearing like this really skimpy bathing suit. I don't know if it's a bathing suit or if it's lingerie, like, like it's like a bra and panties almost. Yeah. And uh, in the meantime, there's a guy mowing his grass behind them. And so um, Utah is sees in the window that they're pulling out automatic weapons out of the closet or out of bags or something. And he's trying to tell tell them, don't let him pull his badge because they're pulling out, as he says, they're pulling out a fucking arsenal. Yeah. And the and idea course, being, if he pulls his badge, he's going to get blown away. Right. He's going to get killed. And um, so they can't hear him because of the lawnmower. And Busey doesn't, or Pappas doesn't pull his badge out. And it starts this big shootout. Like you said, you know, Anthony Cadis shoots himself in the foot, which was hilarious. And that woman, that naked woman in the shower, actually, um, you know, Utah ends up having to go in and she kicks the crap out of him yeah. first. She's smashing his head into the mirror. She's like, you know, I think she like kicks him in the nuts, you know, like she's. I mean, homie's on the ground legit. He right. gets beat up. Yeah. Yeah. And in the meantime, and there's, and if you watch, there's a couple of legit shots. Like there's a, a fight between a couple of them in the kitchen. And one of the guy, one of the actors playing, you know, playing one of the agents, like goes face first into this cat, into this countertop. Like if you look at it, like he gets, he gets hit pretty hard. Um, so anyway, they they clean it up, they kill most of them, only to find out 
that there is an undercover DEA agent played by Tom Sizemore who'd go on to, you know, to some level of stardom. Tom Sizemore rules and he's fantastic in this one very small role. This guy was, was the, uh, I I don't, I'm really bad at uh, military hierarchy, but he was the guy right beneath Tom Hanks in Saving Private Ryan, like the next in command or whatever. Um, Dude's fantastic. I love that guy. Oh, it's, yeah, it's yeah, just criminally underrated in terms of household name. What a yeah. great guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Terrific, terrific actor. And he, um, yeah, so yeah, so you find out that he's a DEA agent. These guys have been our uh, meth dealers. And as he said, he's been, on, he's been in deep cover for two months or six months or something and was just about to get them to name their supplier. And, and then they came in and just basically botched the whole thing. Uh, you know, again, there's more swear words uh, exchanged between them. And, um, you know, uh, well, and oh, and I'm also um, glossing over the end of that fight scene, too, because there there's a great sequence where um, I think it's War Child who is who is fighting with Johnny out in the in the yard. That lawnmower comes back into play. It gets knocked over and they're as they're fighting the blade is exposed, right? It's an older, like an old fashioned mower. And it ends up like the guy is on top of Johnny trying to push his face into the lawnmower blade. And he's just inches away. And finally, you know, Pappas comes to the rescue and shoots the lawnmower and, you know, and, and well, gets looks, him off of him. It looks like a manual lawnmower, like one of those just classic, we have one, my wife and I, yeah, yeah. just a classic no motor spinning uh-huh. blades but it looks mm-hmm. like they just put a mower on top of it. Yeah. And yeah. I need to clarify something that there's no point in talking about things being practical in this movie, <laughs> but like, how can no one hear anyone with one m- mower going? Right. You know what I mean? Like they're talking on walkie talkies and they're like, what? Huh? And it's like, don't yeah. let him show his badge. Like they're <laughs> screaming. You could hear them yelling that. Yeah, probably without the walkie talkies with a the lawnmower. There's no motor right. uh-huh. that is that loud. Right. But you know what? For the sake of the movie, they gave it a purpose. I get it. Yeah. It's just funny how like completely re- that's an eye roll for me. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> like that was I'm like, really? You can't hear him? Really? Right. <laughs> yeah. Really? Like, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, oh, and and there's also a, a little a catch that I I had. Um, Tom Sizemore, Tom Sizemore's character, before this scene starts, you see him pouring beer over cereal. Oh, yeah, I saw so that. So he's yeah. So he's getting ready to like eat some cereal, and he just like pours a beer over it instead of milk. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's disgusting. So of course, at the time, you don't really know who he is. Um, so, oh, so Babbitt is Babbitt and Alvarez. Those are the other agents' names. There we go. I know I'd find them. Um, so, so Babbitt and Alvarez, and Babbitt is the one who takes the face first kitchen counter. So, if, if you're watching the movie, watch for that. Um, yeah, and Babbitt then gets stabbed by the naked lady. Um, yeah, so, so now you know, once they realize they screwed up and that these aren't their guys, you know, they feel bad. This is kind of their low point. You know, they killed some guys and. You know, they're not even the guys they were looking for, although they were scumbags. So, you know, whatever. Um, Mark's Anthony Kiedis' exit of the movie, unfortunately. Um, so, um, yeah, so what's going to make you feel better after that? Let's go surfing. So uh, of course. they go back out. 
and uh <laughs> there so um there's a great little nod in this movie when um Pappas and Johnny are talking um Johnny follows Bodie as he you know after they're done surfing he follows him around for the rest of his day and so there's a scene later on where he's recounting what he's done and he mentions that Bodie goes to Patrick's Roadhouse to have lunch yeah. which which I've always thought was just an you know a goofy in joke a reference to the movie Roadhouse that Patrick Swayze was in but I just saw tonight in the the trivia that Patrick's Roadhouse is a real place not only that but it's in Santa Monica and would have been actually uh, a reasonable place for them to go like as far as like where it's at compared to the action of the movie it it's feasible that he would have gone there so you know they they kind of got a little double meaning there they you know they they got that little nod into to roadhouse and um it's a real place so uh, and, and actually imdb actually even has the address of the place i don't know if it's still around but um i thought that was kind of a fun a fun little bit um so at this point we're like halfway through the movie right and we don't even have we don't even have a i mean we know obviously we know the ex-presidents are Bodie and and his buddies. Yeah, but we're I mean, taking yeah, our time getting there. For sure. It's very easy for us to figure that out now. Yeah, yeah uh, this is the of most course. Obvious yeah. yeah, and Keanu Reeves obviously like doesn't know this yet. Yeah. He just got bombed on these these mean Nazi surfers, and yeah. uh, realizes that you know they're not it because there was an undercover <laughs> DEA guy there, and they just ruined his score. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, so these guys are going. Uh, you know, basically what I'm doing is I'm trying to get you to the point of when, how does Keanu Reeves find uh-huh. out that Patrick Swayze and the yes. crew uh-huh. are the uh, bad guys? This is the thing yeah, you were so, alluding to earlier. Uh, yeah. So we, so this, this is kind of the turning point of the movie is right here um, where they, they somehow, and I can't remember how now, um, but they determine that this certain bank is kind of a prime target for the for the next robbery. So they now go and um, they now go and stake out this bank or this bank. They go sit out in front of the bank um, in their car. And absolutely my favorite. Now this is the the scene that I referenced. The the thing I referenced earlier. Probably my favorite line from the movie um, is uh, when you know they're sitting there. And Pappas is reading the comics. Again, we're underscoring that he's kind of a screw up. He's sitting there reading the comics in the newspaper and is, you know, cracking up. And he's like, I'm hungry. Let's have lunch. It's time for lunch. It's like 1030. And says, yeah. And yeah, and he even says, yeah, he goes, he goes, it's 1030. And he's like, yeah, he goes, no, no, there's a sandwich shop around the corner. Best meatball sandwiches I ever had. And he says, will you go get me two? <laughs> and then he's like, you know, Johnny's just like, oh, God. And he's like, yeah, fine. So he gets out, and as he's getting out, Papa sticks his head up out of the window and says, Utah, give me two. And you know, holds up two fingers. This is this is a this is a gift now. <laughs> it is pretty good. <laughs> it is. It's that hilarious. one thing is that one line specific that two words or no, uh, get me two, three words. That's uh, great. Uh, yeah. There you can buy that t-shirt. There's there's a t you can buy a t-shirt with um with him with that picture saying that right, so and, and i'm gonna kind of move you forward a bit because i, I want to say something about this scene if you don't mind and and please yeah, by yeah. all means like hop, hop in if you have more to say yeah. uh but 
you know, the the whole point is is Utah goes to this sandwich shop, and while he's getting the sandwich, um, and while Gary Busey's character Pappas is reading these, you know, Calvin and Hobbes or whatever he's, I forget what he's reading. Yeah, uh, uh, but he's reading comics and like out like out loud, cracking uh, up. Like he thinks these are sincere. It's like watching my grandpa watching the Three Stooges. He just thinks <laughs> it's like the funniest thing ever. Right. And, and meanwhile, this, you know, red Cadillac or whatever pulls up uh-huh. and you have the ex-presidents going in. Meanwhile, uh, Keanu Reeves' Utah is paying for his food and uh-huh. uh, Busey's cracking up. So the whole the mm-hmm. whole gag of this is that, like, there's no reason for them to notice yet. And, of right. course, you know, Utah notices that there's a red Cadillac outside. Uh-huh. Um, and, again, the gag, the punchline basically at the end, so to speak, is that Gary Busey takes one bite of his sandwich and then realizes that they're there and he can't eat his sandwiches. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. that's a joke. But I want to say something about the scene. That's the reason I kind of powered through that. Is yeah, yeah. Like, this this gag didn't work for me, though. And I'm curious if it did for you. I, of course, I think Busey's line is, is like, yeah. I mean, uh, come on. that The scene's worth it for that. And I'm not yeah, like and bitching about this. His actual great line's not even we haven't even said yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And 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 I'm and it's not even that like I'm not complaining like it shouldn't be there. It's just uh, this is like the setup for a comedy. Yeah. You know uh, what I'm saying? But it's not played yeah. like a comedy. And right. It just felt weird to me. Uh, I, maybe I maybe I'm on my own. It's it's not a scene that I particularly liked outside of Busey, which is again, uh, he's just great. But go ahead and tell yeah. us the line though, and if you have any yeah. comments on that, you're welcome to. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, yeah, and in the context of that scene is, yeah, it, it's again what it mostly underscores is that they're screw ups, and it's not that's that's tonally is a little bit off, right? Because you know Johnny Utah is a hot shot, and yeah, Pappas is a burnout, but he's not a clown to you know to this point, right? And and in this scene, yeah, in this scene, he is a bit of a clown, and yeah, so yeah, so yeah, Johnny returns with the sandwiches. And and Pappas says very eagerly as he's grabbing it and unwrapping the sandwich, he says, "He says I'm so hungry I could eat the ass end out of a dead rhino, because I should have had to get me three of these things." And then of course, like right then is the point. You know, he's like, "Did you see the car?" And uh, and at that point, they look up and see the ex presidents coming out of the bank, and and the chase is on. So, <laughs> it's so a- hold on, <laughs> Gary. <laughs> I just choked myself laughing. Gary yeah. Busey, his delivery is so good because what you just said is so stupid. It's yeah, like not it even is. funny, which is why I was right. laughing because I'm like, that's not a funny line. That's right, to me. Yeah. I think it's honestly just really bad. Uh-huh. But Gary yeah. Busey is like he so fervently believes this character. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like when he says that, it's so fluent and yeah. it's so like. It's just really funny, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It is. It is. It is. It's all Busey. You know. It's all Busey. You know, delivering it. And yeah. So, and then this chase scene, again, another wild chase scene. Um, it. It's. You know, they're chasing Ridiculous. each other in cars. Yeah. It's. It's nuts. And they're. They're swerving. At one point, they're talking to each other, while they're driving. They're like. They're like next to each other. Like you know, slamming into each other, and talking to each other. And um, I want to see if I can find it. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it, at one point, like, you know, they, they go through parking lots and they go through, you know, they're burning around the streets. And at one point, they're, you know, they're doing that thing where they're, they're slamming into each other side by side and their windows are down. 
and and Papa says, "I got you." And then one of the bad guys in the car says, "You ain't got shit." <laughs> you know, and it's like <laughs> it's like in the middle of this just crazy chase scene. They're just like you know trash talking each other. So, see, so what's funny though is the whole time you're telling this, talking about uh, this, Joe, you, the whole time uh, you're talking about this, this movie sounds, in my opinion, like the uh, so bad it's good quality. Yeah but, the, oh, yeah. but the thing is, some of these lines don't land as funny as you're saying them right now. Uh-huh. A lot of these lines are not in the context of being funny. Uh-huh. Do you get what I'm saying? So it's like. Yeah. Like some of them, yeah, yeah. I, again, it's like I think there's a real fine line between being able to laugh mm-hmm. and and then just eye rolling because it's like, man, yeah. this isn't even like like Busey's shit's hilarious. Like that stuff's uh-huh. like really great. Yeah, but like it's like that line that you just said when they're in the middle of the chase. I just remember yeah. rolling my eyes and just being like, just why? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, and, there's, <laughs> and, and to a, now, and to a degree, and this is where you know where I where I, come, I come in again. I mentioned the the you know toxic masculinity earlier the the surfers the the surfer characters the, the buddies they're all they're very clearly idiots in a lot of ways right like they they they're the guys at the party who have the lines about how existential and experienced surfing is and it's the you know it's the ultimate rush man and you know and and at one point and there's this great line Lori Petty gives a great line um, where I think the guy's name is Roach, and he's like, "It's better than sex," and she and she looks at him and she goes, "Maybe that's because you're not doing it right," you know. And and it's just like like and this is kind of this. There's this self absorption to all these guys, right? That that you know show like this is they're destroying their lives in the in yeah. the pursuit of something stupid you know but pointless. there's also there's also the essentially the juxtaposition of Brody as a bona fide badass and the rest yeah. of these guys are fucking posers yeah you know what i'm saying like at least yes. that's how it comes off to me and even yeah, the guys that are in his inner circle so to speak very much huh? feel like they're in it because of him not that yeah. they don't truly love surfing and 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 the thrills but they've been right. accepted into his inner circle and mm-hmm. um like you know they're hanging out, and everybody else is kind of outside of that group. Um, yeah. But yeah, everyone else—they just seem like posers. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and, that, and that's absolutely true. And they, and then you know, then later on, as as this falls apart, right? Like they're they're the ones who pay the price for it. And and in the end, it's it's all about Bodie's pursuit of all of this. And again, Bodie's selfishness—you know, what where he's been—you know, he's been a giving person through the whole movie, right? Like he's, you know, he he's the I'll give you the shirt off my back kind of guy to his, to his friends. But then in the end, it's his selfishness that, that destroys the whole thing because he, it, you know, it's, it's when, when they want to give up, you know, they're like, dude, I'm scared. Like we're going to like, the cops are going to kill us. Like, you know? Um, and he's like, no, this is, no, this is why we're here. This is us against, this isn't for us to get money. This is us against the system, you know? And, let's go down in a blaze of glory kind of thing. And they're like, whoa, whoa, this is not what we want. Like we were just screwing around. And yeah. And that, that's kind of the, you know, and, and I'm, we're maybe getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, um, but that's, you know, that's, um, that, that's kind of the ultimate point of the movie. Um, but, but anyway, you go back to this chase scene. It ends up on foot. Johnny is chasing um, Bodie or who, or, you know, Ronald Reagan in this, you know, in this case, we, we don't really yet officially know this, 
Well, we do. Yeah, we do. As a matter of fact, we see him. We see him put the. But Johnny doesn't know it yet. Um, he's chasing Ronald Reagan, um, and they go through houses. They go over fences. This is a crazy chase. At one point, my the highlight to me is when Ronnie. I'm gonna call him Ronnie for the time being. He's he grabs a dog, a really like a Rottweiler or something, and Johnny comes around the corner and he throws the dog onto Johnny. And now you now if you watch the scene, it looks like a guy tossing a dog into somebody's arms, like like it's it's just like it's not. There's nothing threatening about it, but the sound of the scene is the dog viciously growling and you know, and then um, Johnny kicks the dog and it squeals, but it's edited in such a way that it looks really fake. <laughs> and, it, and it's almost this nod where it's like, you know, we didn't really punt a dog right now. You know, this is obviously, it's obviously a fake dog in the, for the one brief flash, you know, but um, uh, yeah. So, so he does that. They end up, I believe if I'm not mistaken, they end up in the, I don't even know what they are like aqueducts or something. Um, the same, I think they're the same place where the famous Terminator 2 motorcycles chase, you know, motorcycle semi chase. I think that's the, it looks like, a, it looks like the same place. I think it is. I think they filmed the same spot. Um, so, um, yeah, so Johnny, you know, still in pursuit, jumps down and injures his knee. And, um, and then Ronnie gets away. And of course, there's a moment where uh, Johnny pulls his gun and they they make eye contact and this is kind of where they you know now we know what we're you know what we're dealing with you know we we know that these are these are buddies and it's like hey are you going to shoot me and so instead johnny shoots his gun into the air and and ronald reagan gets away and and now they know that johnny is an fbi agent and um so that changes the entire game you know the, the whole rest of the film is different now um now, real um, quick, yeah. real quick, prior to this, because we're gonna have to we're gonna have to move forward a, a, a bit. Yeah, here. yeah, we, yeah. We need to move ahead. Uh, but I, ahead. I do want to say this: prior to this, uh, Keanu Reeves goes with uh, Lori Petty's character to surf um, right. because he was at Lori Petty's house, and Patrick Swayze's Bodie comes over and gets him out, and he yeah. sees the four who we know, or at least assume, are the ex presidents, right. uh, surfing and hanging out and goofing off. And yeah. that's the moment where Keanu Reeves yeah. realizes, I'm pretty sure it's these four guys. He makes that but, connection. Yeah, but he hasn't confirmed mm-hmm. that Bodie is Reagan, I don't think. Right. See, I'm, I'm, I don't know how to feel about that. Because after the scene where we're going now, it doesn't seem like he did know for sure. Yeah, but that's just yeah. like a weird thing. And, and, and maybe it's my, maybe it's just the fact that I know. But because uh-huh. I'm thinking about this now, because when I was watching it, you know, it does a close-up, of course, of of the Reagan mask, and you see Patrick Swayze's very, like, specific eyes, you know, yeah. like, looking through, we know. But they're so uh, far away, Keanu Reeves' character, Utah, wouldn't know. So right. that's interesting. Because mm-hmm. it's because the tone after that is also very strange. The fact that he goes with them. Yeah. Like, that whole thing's weird. I want to say yeah, one thing about... Yeah. I want to say one thing about this scene, though. When he's chasing Reagan, Reagan gets away uh. because... Uh, Utah falls and cracks his knee, dude. Yeah, and uh-huh. and the voiceover because it's not him actually screaming. They do like because uh-huh. it's like in slow motion or something. I don't remember, 
But uh-huh. like it's like him clearly in a studio going like, "Ow, my yeah. knee!" Yeah, it's yeah. so bad. Uh-huh. It's yeah. so bad. Now that I, one, I, think I kind he of laugh. Says, at, "Oh no!" <laughs> yeah, no, he says, "Oh no!" for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's that's yeah that that yeah. part in particular sticks in my mind. That that's a burned bad moment in my brain. But yeah, 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 and, yeah, and that that's one where yeah where it's 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 a very intense scene and it's broken up by yeah by that. So yeah, so yeah, so now as you said, they go back. Um, uh, Johnny has a story for Tyler that he got in a car. Some guy like rear-ended him or something, and that's why he's all beaten up and scratched up. And um, he wants to tell her that he's an agent. He wants to come clean, but he doesn't. And then in the middle of the night, she finds his badge. So so there's this whole thing where he's like. I got to tell you something, but he's, he like hems and haws a little bit and it's troubling him. And she's, she very much plays the the girlfriend. that's like, Hey, don't worry about it. You'll tell me when the time is right. And then of course, first chance she gets, she snoops and finds his badge. And she actually like shoots his gun into his pillow while he's sleeping. And, and you know, this wakes him out of a sound sleep. And um, you know, he, he has to admit to her that he lied about his parents, that his parents aren't even dead and she hates him. And she that takes off. That doesn't last long. Right. Yeah. She, so she takes off and cut to the next morning, knock on his door. Johnny thinks it's Tyler, but it's Bodie and the boys. And they're like, hey, we get, hey, let's go. Come on, man. Let's go. Uh, now, again, at this point, they all know who each other are. You know, they all know who they are at this point. They know that he's an agent. He knows that they're the bank robbers. And they and, but Bodie is pretending, you know, he's he's keeping up the the charade, you know, and is like, no, come on, hey, come on, we got, let's go, we're gonna do something. And and he actually looks at him and goes, oh, what happened to your face, man? Like, what happened? And uh, you know, he he plays this off like he doesn't know yeah. what it is. That whole st- man, and, that just the whole vibe of of uh, uh, Utah getting hurt, and yeah. then this whole scene is so weird to me. Yeah, it is because it. Yeah, because it go and he actually says, "Oh man, my yeah, I messed up my knee." He's like, "Oh yeah, I saw you limping." That's what, yeah, yeah. And he's but like, the, "Don't worry." The visual storytelling of it all mm-hmm. it gives me mixed signals, and maybe it's just me. I don't know, but it's because I still quite. It's like, of course, of course, Utah believes it's those four guys. You know, of yeah. course he does. Uh-huh. That's very clear. That part of the storytelling's clear. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's like weird. It's like, does he not? Like the way that they tell the story visually in so many aspects of the movie, you'd just believe because Patrick Swayze's eyes were seen through the Reagan mask on camera that right. that Utah would know it's him, even though in rea- reality you'd never be able to see someone that far away. But other right. parts of the movie are that way. So, you know? yeah. so yeah, it's like yeah. so weird. It's like, how much does he know? Like that whole thing feels so weird to me. Not, and it's not like a deal breaker or anything. It's just like, right. like what a weird scene. Yeah, yeah, and well, and they and to, kind of to punctuate it, but at that at that point when he finds out, um, they they flash back to to Pappas's line about forget about it, kid. They're ghosts, right? As yeah. Tyler has said to him, "You look like you've seen a ghost," and that's his cue. That's what triggers him yeah. to go. These are the guys. Yeah, and yep. yeah, and he ne- yeah, and you're right. He never really gets that confirmation, right? He never he never sees someone take off the mask and that they're the guys underneath, but, but yeah, you're, yeah, you're right. The, the, um, the, 
the you're, what you're supposed to believe is that that close up of Patrick Swayze, uh, or uh, you know, behind the mask is is Johnny getting that you know he's getting that um, confirmation. Although he's as you said, I don't know, two hundred feet away, like he's, yeah, he's so a significant away. distance away. Yeah, yeah. So I, I want to do something, Joe. I want to. I want to. I want to. There are three kind of signature scenes, and please inter- interject with me yeah. from here because. Pretty much from here, it's it's a we got to get them, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. Now we're amping it up. Yeah. So, so there there are three scenes. The scene that you're coming up on right now, which is the first mm-hmm. skydiving sequence. Yeah. Now, this is a scene that essentially uh, establishes what I kind of talked about in my intro, where it's the the zigzag between Utah being torn between you know his professional life as an FBI agent, his new carefree life as this adrenaline junkie, right? So he knows that there's something up with these guys and mm-hmm. he knows that they're they're up to no good and he knows that he has to still I mean he's got to kind of play the part if they're going to play the part but deep down he knows. But then whenever he's skydiving mm-hmm. with them because that's why they take him out of his house after all this happens is they right. take him to go skydiving. And oh. uh you know he doesn't trust the shoot of course, mm-hmm. and so, but then they start trading shoots, just like here, take mine. Who cares? You know, yeah, trying to make yeah. him feel better, but it's still kind of weird, too. Yeah. Kind of well, like, uh, are they going to get back to the first one? Then he's fucked. Who knows? Yeah, but yeah. Basically, they jump out and they're all like best friends in the air for like you know a few minutes. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean, yeah. like holding hands and and making shapes, and then uh, you know they land. Th- this oh. foreshadows a great sequence, though. Uh, which is, um, you know, the whole film, and I'm just going to move us forward because we're, we're yeah, almost no. out of time here. Uh-huh. So uh, all of that leads to Bodhi having Tyler kidnapped. Uh-huh. And they need to do one more bust, but he's going to make uh, Utah come with him yes. to do the bust. Uh, and yeah. by bust, I mean a, a rob a bank. The job, yeah, the bank robber, yeah. So essentially, the film plays out that scene, and uh-huh. and Bodhi refuses to tell Utah where Tyler is because if he does, it jigs up, right? Like, right. you know, it'd be done. So he has that leverage. Uh-huh. So it plays out. Uh, bank robbery does not go as planned, however. There is an undercover cop there who's trying to get the mm-hmm. security guard to shoot people, and yeah. basically turns into a big. Uh, uh, shootout because Bodhi decides they're going to, for the first time, mind you, they never right. go for the vault. Takes too long. Get in yeah. and out 25 seconds or whatever. You're done. Mm-hmm. But this time, because it's the last banger, they're going to mm-hmm. hit the vault and get tons of money. They're in there yeah. too long. People get antsy. The undercover cops start shooting. Boom. We have a gunfight, right? Of course, yeah. you know, uh, Utah gets shot, but they all have bulletproof vests. Mm-hmm. And... Um, uh, I forget if one or two of them die, but either way, some of the posse, the ex-presidents, get murdered. Yeah, uh, they're yeah, shot. Yeah. The, dead. the one guy, yeah, yeah, one guy dies. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and then one guy's severely wounded, but they get him out of there, and they uh-huh. get back in a plane. Now, mm-hmm. th- this sequence, and I'm just going to buzz through this because I want to get to a certain scene here. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go back to the airport. They're mm-hmm. all getting in the plane. One homie is just completely shot up. He's clearly going to die. That's just there's no ifs, ands, or buts. Uh, Bodhi is hanging oh. out. I forget the other guy's name that's still alive and well, but but he's you know uh, he's there getting stuff ready. Uh-huh. You have um, you know I just remembered though the dude that got shot is not shot yet. 
I just ruined right. your story. I apologize. <laughs> because Gary Busey no, comes no. to the airport. Yeah. And he's mm-hmm. trying to figure shit out. He ends up shooting the homie I was just talking about. Yeah. But yeah. you want to tell us what happens to Gary Busey real quick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're right. They get to the airport, and um, uh, it's it's Roach is the one who uh, – The one you. you're talking yeah. about yeah, who's not, who's not been shot yet. Yeah, and um, uh, Utah gets up, and he, he – you know, they, they leave – Johnny at on the at the scene. They take off. Um, Bodie punches him out, and they take off. Um, and then uh, Johnny actually gets arrested. They they actually arrest him for participating in the bank robbery. And you know this you know the this undercover cop is dead, and Pappas comes to his rescue and is like, "Come on, let me take him in." And there, there's a, a a great sequence, and I'll I'll run through the line again. Harp is there, and Harp is dressing down Pappas and calls him a, you know, calls him a he's worthless, he's old and fat, and you know, they deserve each other. And, and Busey pops off this line about, I was in this bureau when you were popping zits on your funny face and, and jacking off to the lingerie section of the Sears catalog. It, you know, there's this whole like insult fest back and forth. Busey Again, Burrow, perfectly Pappas, and fluently delivered. Oh, it's so, it's so beautiful. And then he punches out harp. Um, and then they take off. Um, and it's like, Hey, I know where they're going, but you know, we need to get them, but, we can't shoot them. We can't arrest them, you know, essentially because they have, they have his girl and um, Bodhi's buddy is going to kill her if Bodhi doesn't get to his spot to, to, you know, shut it down. So, yeah, so they get to the airport. Um, Johnny comes up to him is like, Hey, I don't have any, any weapons. He's like, dude, just, just tell me where she's at. And, you know, I'll let you guys go. And well, Pappas kind of comes around the corner and Roach walks up behind him, who is, you know, who is finishing, you know, he's off somewhere else getting his stuff. And that leads to the shootout. Pappas gets killed. Roach gets shot. Um, and now they drag Johnny onto the plane um, with the wounded Roach, who is, yeah, as you said, severely wounded at this point. And um, they're going to do one more jump, one more skydive. Um, and then they're going to be riding off into the sunset you know, supposedly, um, again, they leave, so they, they leave Johnny on the plane with no parachute. Um, they jump and, uh, and there's a pilot flying the plane. They're not leaving him to his death. He's just going to go off. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's essentially like, Hey, see you later, man. We're out of here. Uh, yeah. At one point the, the pilot refuses to take off and they, you know, pull the gun on him. Like, dude, you're going to, you're going to take off right now. They didn't have to try hard. They're, right. They're just like, no, get back in. He's like, okay. And he like jumps back in. <laughs> right. They're like, they're like, uh, yeah, yeah. Mr. 45 says you're going to do it. And like, All right. Whatever you say. Um, yeah. So they, yeah, they leave him on the plane, no parachute um, with the pilot. So like, he's not going to die, but well, at least until he decides to jump without a parachute. <laughs> so this is, this is one of those scenes. This is what I was uh-huh. getting to here. This is where I wanted to go. <laughs> Yeah, and then um, let's jump st- pretty much straight to the end. Let's beeline to the end after this because this is kind yeah. of the banger. You know what I mean? Like yeah, this is yeah. the this is kind of the 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 big climax. Of course, there is an ending, but this yeah. is like the big moment. Uh, yeah, this movie th- or this movie, this scene is simultaneously so dumb, uh-huh. but kind of amazing. <laughs> right. This is like my, with the exception of some of Busey's lines, this is probably my favorite moment. Because yeah. I forgot. I didn't think... I thought they only skydived once before uh-huh. I rewatched this. And I thought that was done. 
And yeah. so then when they're getting away, I'm like, oh, cool, they get away, and then that's when Keanu Reeves does what he does at the end of the movie, which we'll get to here in a second. You yeah. know, and I was like, okay, that makes sense. No, homie just goes, ah, oh, fuck it, and just jumps out. <laughs> right. And I'm just completely flabbergasted by this. Just jumps off the plane. Jumps With right a gun. Off the plane. Yeah. <laughs> And so he's 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 you know just barrel nosing down trying to catch up with them and they're all you know being normal uh, uh, skydivers you know with their arms yeah. out and keeping themselves balanced and everything. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he catches up and just tackles Brody. Uh. And he puts the gun to Brody's head. Uh. And he he says, "Pull your chute." And Brody says, "I'm not doing it. You'll have to do it." Uh. Well, if he does it, Utah has to drop the gun. Because he's got right. a hold of him with the other arm. Yeah. So Utah's like, no, do it. I won't hesitate in killing you, motherfucker, or whatever he says. Right, yeah. Uh-huh. And Brody's like, I'm not going to do it. And they're like, down, like you know, you're getting these really like fast, speedy shots of the ground coming at you. Uh-huh. We're like a thousand feet away. Yeah. And then Brody finally says, do your move, Hoss, basically, you know, something <laughs> like that. Uh-huh. And so he tosses the gun, he pulls it. And it uh, inflates just in time for them to hit the ground without right. dying. Yeah. Fantastic moment. Uh, Stupid yeah, as awesome. hell, but it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. They, number one, they would have been so dead. So dead. Yeah. They'd have been just dead as hell. But um, yeah. So, they, but they land and Johnny screws up his knee again. So he's out of commission. Um, Roach is dead. Roach died on the way to the ground. Um, and there, got there's a shootout. even a, He got a shootout. Yes, yeah. But the parachute so, did not yeah, save, so there's, the gun, yeah, there's, save him from gun wounds. <laughs> right, yeah. And there, and there was actually a line before they jump where, you know, Roach is sitting there and he's like, I'm cold, Bodie, I'm cold. And he's like, you know, you just think about the, the, the senioritas who are going to nurse you back to health, you know. And, um, and then and Johnny looks at him and goes, you're cold because all the blood is running out of your body. You're going to be dead soon. And it's just, it's really cold, right? It's like this really cold moment. So yeah, so he's dead. Um, Bodhi um, releases Tyler. Um, he, you know, uh, Tyler is there with with Rosie, who is one of his heavies and um, is the one, the psycho guy of the bunch, apparently, which we, we see very little of him before, but he's he's a big guy and he's apparently the psycho of the bunch. And he, um, re- you know, he gives the word, releases her, and she comes and is, oh, my God, I love you so much. You know, I don't care that you're a cop or I don't know, whatever they say. Um, and, and, I, and I do realize now we left out an important plot point from earlier, which was during one of their initial meetings, Bodhi discusses the 50-year the storm, which is going to hit and cause these insane swells at Bells Beach, Australia. And this is apparently Bodhi's like lifelong dream to surf this, to surf this beach. And so we fast forward a year later and there um, we're in Australia and we're following Johnny who's now got, now this is the funny thing during the whole movie, Johnny has got short hair and Bodie has this long kind of flowing mane, you know, shoulder length hair. Best he's ever the, looked in my opinion. I, I yes. want to say one thing. I'll bring you back to this. Patrick yeah, Swayze has yeah. never been an attractive man to me. Now I'm a heterosexual male. I, I understand uh, that I'm not the the uh, you know highest connoisseur, maybe of uh, the, the most credible connoisseur of of attractive men. Although uh, it is all subjective, but still, right. I have I've thought that he is such an overrated 
uh-huh. sex symbol. My mom thought he was just the hottest shit. Uh-huh. I think I, he is just so unattractive. <laughs> I, my my wife and I saw um, Dirty Dancing uh, both uh-huh. in theaters when it was re released and uh, at a at a drive in during the pandemic, uh-huh. and I just at both times I was like I just think he's so unattractive, and she's uh-huh. just like what and I'm just like yeah he's just so unattractive. This movie when he has the uh-huh. longer hair and he's just like hanging out, uh-huh. I think he's an attractive man. It's yeah. amazing what a beard <laughs> and and longer hair will do. It's the yeah. same with Aragorn from Lord of the Rings, but when you see that dude, uh, you know Hugo Mortens or Vigo Mortensen outside of you know without a beard, I'm like, ugh, yeah. not, <laughs> not interested in this guy. Um, but I wish you, know, you guys as, could have seen his face just now. <laughs> yeah, as as Aragorn, you know, attractive yeah, man. Yeah. Anyways, well, enough about attractive men. Yeah. Uh, no, so you so, so you were talking about uh, at, at one point uh, Keanu Reeves' character Utah has short you know FBI yeah. hair Patrick Swayze's character Bodhi has this long kind of surfer hair. Go ahead. Yeah. So so in this scene now Johnny's hair is longer. This is a year later. His hair is longer, and he he sure enough gets to the beach. It's a it's storming. It's you know it's raining. People are fleeing the beach, and. Johnny is wearing a jean jacket and, you know, blue jeans and is walking to the beach. And, and on his way, there's a guy that's like, you know, there's a guy, he's like, is anybody out there? And he's like, no, nobody, you have to be nuts to be out there. And, um, but he, so he walks on and sure enough, there's Bodie now with short hair standing on the beach and he's preparing to go out. This is, this again is like his lifelong dream. Like he's been waiting his entire life, as he said earlier in the film, this is what he's been waiting his whole life for is to, to surf this swell right now during this storm when they're, you know, they're like 20 foot swells or something insane. 40. It's completely insane. 40 foot swells. They say 40 foot. Okay. Yeah. Insane. They're, they're nuts, right? Like, yeah, like you shouldn't it looks be terrifying. Right. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. It looks like, um, I don't know any like tsunami move, like Poseidon, like the bit, like the perfect storm. It's like he's surfing the perfect storm. I mean, wave. they're making it, they're making it ominous, but it is sincerely scary to me. Like, yeah, what, that be, you're gonna. I mean, of course, you know, Bodie knows this. Uh, not to jump the right. gun here, but, but you're gonna die. You yeah. don't live from that. I mean, that and that's the whole point. Is Bodie would rather go out surfing than, you know, exactly right. run his yeah. whole life. But mm-hmm. insane. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so they're there and, you know, Johnny tells him, Hey, um, you know, I've been following you the whole time. Um, he, he found, he tells him that he found Rosie's body in Mexico, that he had picked a knife fight with somebody and lost. And so basically now Bodhi's entire crew is dead again, because of this obsession. And, um, Johnny says, you're not going out. I'm, I'm taking you in. And this leads to a fight. You know they're they're rolling it's long around as the, shit. That fight, right? Yeah, yeah. For like this is like the coda of the movie, right? Like you think this is going to be a a quick little yeah, but it's it's kind of this extended fist fight and and it's like Bodhi two gets the and a half minutes long. That's a right. long time for movie time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and he gets he you know he he gets the better of Johnny. He's you know pushing his face underwater, you know, and then Johnny locks the handcuffs on him, and. So now they're cuffed together. Bodie's not going, you know, Bodie's not going out, but, and the cops are now approaching. So he, 
you know, uh, Bodhi begs him, please come on. He's like, just let me get out there. And he's like, you know, I'm not going to get away. He's like, I can't. He's like, I, I just want to get out there and surf and then I'll come back and you can take me in. Please, please, please. He's just begging. He's like, I'm not going to paddle to Australia, you know, on my surfboard. Yeah. And, and so, here's, here's, here's again, Johnny Utah struggling uh, right. with his <laughs> adrenaline junkie versus professional life FBI agent. <laughs> yes. That's he, what we're watching he, happen. He, yeah. So he unhooks Bodie. It's like, have at it, man. Bodie gets out there. And the cops come up to him like, dude, you let him go. He's gonna get away. And you know, and and Keon, and Johnny just walks off, and he's like, he's not coming back. You know, he's not coming. And then you see the shot of you know Bodie out on the board, and the wave overtakes him, and you know, and and then roll credits. So, you know, the the obsession did indeed kill him. Um, he he didn't he did and didn't get his man. Also. The last little bit is Johnny tossing his his badge into the surf, um, signifying, I guess, that he's no longer. Here's the thing. Uh, One thing about the last. We're going to wrap this up here with this. Yeah. Here's the thing at the end. Mm -hmm. Before we jump forward. okay, Mm -hmm. We're at the bank. Uh Uh, The ex-presidents have gotten away. They knocked Johnny out in the bank. Uh Uh, You know, what's what's the the scrubs dude's name again? Harp is his name. Yeah, yeah. Harp. So Harp's given in Johnny Utah like uh, a what for? Yeah. And this is you know then he gets knocked out by Busey's character Pappas, mm-hmm. and then Pappas takes him and he's gonna like take him in personally, quote unquote. But yeah. really, like Johnny's like, yo, I know who did it. We gotta stop him now. If we don't stop him now, right? Like we gotta get him now. Mind you, he was arrested. He did right. a crime. Johnny did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He he was a part of a bank robbery. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> like, although I mean although technically it was against his will, right? Like he was forced yes, into it. Yes. But but but, but Harp still. had no interest in allowing that to be a justifiable outcome. Right. He was ready to put him in jail. Yeah. So then the very next scene, the only man that could probably stand up with him and and fight for him is Busey and Busey dies at the airport. Right. So then what does it look like? It looks like Utah had Busey killed so he could get away with his homies who he just robbed a bank with. Right. The next time we see cops is uh-huh. at the beach, uh-huh. and Utah's still a fucking agent. <laughs> right. This makes no sense. Right, yeah. I yeah. hate at this. At best, yeah, he, would, he should have been kicked off of the force, if not in jail, probably in jail. I have yeah. never liked this ending. Now, there are parts, though. I like whenever he ends up handcuffed after they fight and all, you know, like there are bits. But that that I just that's the line I draw right right there. Yeah. Yeah. It's too unbelievable. Right. There's nothing there to disclaim that, you know, hey, he, you know, hey, they talked it all out. They figured they put all the pieces together and, you know, like there's nothing there. Right. Like they just gloss over that. Yeah. Yeah. He he gets his buddy killed. Or his his partner killed, and yeah, not to mention that you know they assaulted his superior, and you know he, you know all of that stuff. He he technically fled the scene of a crime, resisted arrest, and all that stuff. You know you you could you could do a there's a hundred crimes you could have pulled out of that, and yeah, and they just completely gloss over it like in it, this. So that that's total like '80s cop movie trope, where you know cops will like punch each other out and 
cuss each other and all this. But, you know, at the end of the day, they're cops and they watch out for themselves, except the boss is like, you know, sending them up the river as fast as he can, um, gets punched out. And then they just, I don't know, they override him. He changes his mind. I don't know. Uh, we don't Unexplained. ever find out. <laughs> yeah. And again, I'm not one of those people that, that needs explanations. I feel like if you can right. leave it to take just really quick caveat here, uh, the end of prisoners, the movie prisoners, the Denis Villeneuve movie. Yeah. Uh, this is not even really a spoiler. I'm just going to say one character is kidnapped and held somewhere. Mm-hmm. The very end of the movie is another character in that space looking for the f- mm-hmm. character A. Character B's looking for character A. Uh-huh. Character B's walking around, and he's about to give up. He can't figure out where this guy is. Mm-hmm. But then he hears this whistle, and he knows that character A had this whistle. Mm-hmm. And the, it just cuts to black. Yeah, People were pissed. So <laughs> mad, Joe, that it uh-huh. was unfinished. Yeah, Plebs, these guys. Plebeians. What's happening? Uh-huh. Of course you know what's going to happen. Right. Person B is not going to give up until he finds person A after he's heard this whistle because he knows he's there now. Right. What do you think's uh-huh. going to happen? He's going to save yeah. him, and that dude's going to jail. That's right. what's happening. It's mm-hmm. not hard to figure out movie out because they give you all the pieces and it's easy to fit them in your brain. You don't need to tell us every obvious thing. That's yeah. a very clear outcome. And mm-hmm. quite frankly, person A would rather be in jail, I'm sure, than you know, locked up in this place where uh, he is found. And I use yeah. he as the pronoun because there are a lot of he's in that movie, so it still doesn't ruin it if you haven't seen it. But here's the thing. Uh, you know, like that movie gives you everything you need. That's why I have a problem with this end, though, because uh, it doesn't. How'd that happen? Uh, How's he not in jail? Right. right. There's just, yeah. I mean, cops get off with a lot of shit, okay? Uh, <laughs> and yeah. we don't need to get into the political spectrum of police officers, okay? Yeah. But they get away with a lot of shit. You're not yeah. robbing a bank. Right. And then <laughs> they find your partner dead, and you're gone with the people who robbed the bank. Yeah. And not going to get in trouble. I right. don't know. Just don't buy it. Anyways. That's, that's a hell of a job of talking his way out of trouble. Talking yeah. his way out of a ticket. So and trust me, listeners, when I say Keanu uh, Reeves is not good enough to talk his way out of a paper <laughs> bag, let alone out of this. Yeah, um, yeah. But I do. I just want to say this. You know, I I, uh, I I know I give a few scenes a hard time. I, I honestly think uh, it is a pretty fun movie. And, um, yeah. I mean, if you've never seen Point Break, it's too late now because you've already heard the whole thing. Right. Uh, but we'll um, anyway. I think anyway. I think instead of this, Joe, uh-huh. and I'm saying this on air because I'm curious what listeners uh, will think. Hit us up. You know, you can email us mediumcoolpod at gmail.com, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, mediumcoolpod. Um, you can find Joe on Twitter, Joe Shearer nine. You can find me, Austin Glidden. Hit us up. Let us know what you think of this. I think instead of doing. Because I didn't expect this to literally be a play-by-play. You said it, and I thought you were joking at the beginning. <laughs> uh, your 13 pages of notes was literally play-by-play. I think we should oh, just no. do a watch-along instead. Uh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, we should just yeah. do the watch-along, and uh-huh. you and I can, like, you know, mystery science theater this shit the whole time, but yeah. maybe not make fun of it the whole time, but you know what I mean. Yeah. And because, yeah, I think that'd be, I think that's good. No. Huh? Yeah. So, oh yeah. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. This is this is this is good. Any final 
points of of uh, yeah. Point Break. Yeah, let's let's wrap up. I I think a couple of things I didn't mention. Uh, we we mentioned Catherine Bigelow as the director of this. She is she would go on, of course, to be the first woman to win a Best Director Oscar for The Hurt Locker. Um, she was married at the at this time. I think did we mention that to James Cameron to Jim Cameron? Yes, yes. And they actually co-wrote the final draft of the script of this movie. Um, so they're not the credited screenwriters, but they they did a draft, a polish on, on a draft for it together. They divorced shortly after this, uh, short, yeah. I guess shortly after filming. This is what, uh, you know, 1991 is when Terminator 2 came out, um, which I believe is when Cameron left Bigelow for Linda Hamilton, which he would then do, he would leave Linda Hamilton for Susie Amos during Titanic, um, you know, to, to, you know, to be the cad that he is. <laughs> And, <laughs> and but that was like the big thing stuff. about 2009 though was like oh like it finally comes to bite him in the ass he gets beaten yes. by yes. his former lover yes his yeah his ex-wife beats him um bests him in the, the uh at the oscars winning for the hurt locker um he was also nominated for avatar that year yeah um so yeah so the, you know there's some there's some heavyweights here um this is kind of, I mean, early-ish for her. Um, not, I mean, he's in the midst. I mean, he's already done the Terminator. He's yeah. doing Terminator Two. And this time. is her fourth movie. Yeah, she, yeah. She's not super. And and Near Dark, though, it has become a bit of a classic now. It wasn't I don't think you know nearly as big for her. It didn't make her a household name. And Blue right. Steel, same thing. So this is kind of a breakout in many ways, wouldn't you say? Exactly right. Yeah, she would go on to do, of course, Zero Dark Thirty as well. Strange Days is another one. Um, Detroit, which is uh, an unheralded, you know, movie. I think is just a terrific from 2017. Um, so yeah, so she'd go on to do a lot, a, a lot of stuff. She's groundbreaking in a lot of ways. Um, and and we should also maybe just say, you know, this is a female directing an action film at a time when when women weren't even directing really a whole lot at all. Um, and she's doing an action film, which is very, you know, and and a testosterone laden action film at that. And does a lot of good stuff with it. So, um, you know, I I really love this movie. It's um, it, it is goofy and silly in so many ways, but um, it it's one you can watch and just just laugh. You can watch it and you know fall in love with with the the bromance and um, but it's it's uh, you know one of my favorites for for all of those reasons. Um, just the sheer goofiness of it all. Um, it's uh yeah that that's that's it's one of my big. Big, uh, you know, let's watch an action movie. Come on, Point Break. That's the one. So, uh, <laughs> so let's, uh, you know, that this is kind of my my nod to uh, one of my one of my favorites um, as it hits thirty years old this year. Yes. So I was going to bring that up. Yeah, yeah. It is. It is fairly relevant with it being thirty. I think it came out in the summer of that year. So, mm-hmm. yep, July. Um, the same so, week as Boys in the Hood. Well, so there you yeah. go. So that that's even more of a, a testament to you know that it was the hit that it was with with something like Boys in the Hood, which is a you know cultural touchstone. Yeah, film, yeah, you know. yeah. I think I think uh, I think next week we're doing something else, but here soon I'm picking one. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're gonna and, have to get me. You have to get me on one. Yep, yeah, and uh, and we'll just talk about that. We won't do a a, a watch along or anything. I'll okay. I'll be prepped and ready as yeah. always. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know what I'm gonna choose yet. I don't know what to do to you. 
<laughs> I feel like I should do something to you. It's going to be you know? torturous. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll do the painted. But no. Uh, anyways, <laughs> I'll figure something out and, and right. we'll, we'll talk about it. But uh, all right, everybody. Point break. If you haven't seen it and you don't care that we just talked about it, go watch it. You know, it's a thing. If you have seen it, well, then you just relived it with your friends, Austin and Joe. Uh, again, yeah. Catherine Bigelow's Point Break. Go check it out. Yeah. And and as far as I'm concerned, and Joe may disagree, you can just skip the 2015 remake. Oh um, yeah, really oh. awful. Uh, I've never even bothered. Yeah, but this one is uh, this one's is pretty decent. So Joe, you know what we haven't said? What we haven't said? I'm surprised that we F- haven't said anything. But go right. ahead. <laughs> we have not said I am an FBI agent. <laughs> Uh, that's like the signature line from the movie. We yeah. haven't said it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a and, very and Keanu Reeves uh, line. Yes, I, I think I think I did it better than Keanu Reeves did just there. And I have to, I mean, let me say that I did it terribly, but I think I still did it better than Keanu did. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. All right, Joe. Thanks, buddy. All right. All right, everybody. That's our show for today. Thank you for sticking with us. This episode was longer because I didn't know Joe was going to freaking play by play the entire freaking movie. Gosh, Joe, you're just you can be such a headache. I'm just going to smack you in the mouth once we both get the vaccine and, you know, can, you know, be by each other. Anyways, you know, funny story, listeners. I've never I've I've never met Joe in person. Uh, we've only ever talked in email. This is a really important thing I feel like people should know. I don't know Joe worth shit. We just have emailed in the past. I used to write for the site he used to he used to uh, you know run and uh, and I met him through our friend Sam Watermeyer. I mean that's really what it was. And then whenever he was with the the film yap and I was working with with him and them by proxy. Uh, you know, we just started talking and one thing led to another and he was on, you know, 80 or 90% of these episodes. I just realized I've never met him anyways. Uh, love you, Joe. And, uh, thank you for, for doing all, 13 pages worth of notes and, and prepping for the show all for point break. Everyone, man, what a trooper, uh, go check out point break, check out the courier. As I said, at the top of the show during my review, um, you know, it's it's definitely worth checking out. Again, not going to blow your mind, but if you're looking for something to watch, it's a it's a pretty awesome story to at least learn about. This has been a rough episode for me. I'm really tired. I'm sure you're hearing me like slur speech. I'm just like exhausted this weekend. I went with my daughter, my wife camping, and it was like 39 degrees. It was like so cold, but it was really awesome. But I just didn't get much sleep. I'm just so tired. So I'm going to go sleep. I love you all. You know, uh, good night. Good luck and take it easy.